Monday, March 13th, 2023. I'm Stephen Sersky. Today I have a, uh, another guest with me, Song Wang, who's a Beijing-based film producer who's involved with the uh, management and the directing of, uh, or the shooting of commercial productions here in Beijing, China. Uh, we talk a little bit about the ups and downs of being in the industry, what got her into the industry, and where she sees it heading over the next few years. This podcast is a little bit, a little bit longer than normal, but um, it is full of a lot of advice for people who might be thinking about coming to China or people who want to get involved in this industry. We also talk a little bit about her upbringing in the northern parts of China and what brought her to Beijing and what's taking her around the world. So, episode number 38. Show notes are available on my website, stevenstrisky.com, but here is episode number 38 with Song Wang. Ganbei. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for showing up. Thank <laughs> you for it. inviting me. And I'm very sorry it took us quite a while. Like we made plans for a couple of times, but finally it's happening. That was October, wasn't mm. it? September? Yeah. I think it was. That was. Yeah. But then your husband went to the hospital. Yeah, and also in the end of the year, that was the busiest time for me because right. um, all the clients were trying to do things before the Chinese uh, festival. Of course. Yeah. And you had to go to South Africa. For my wedding, yes. There was another hectic story because oh, I didn't tell you on my wedding day. So my wedding was um, 27th, like right after the Christmas. On my wedding day that day, I was invited to a pretty big pitch. Mm -hmm. And I told my client, this is not going to work because it's my wedding day. And he said, uh, you know, I can't really change the date for you because we are doing this pitch. It's going to be like 10, 15 other suppliers like me going to join this page. So they can't make an expect, uh, exception for mm -hmm. me. It's like, okay, don't worry. So I managed to f use the time difference. So I woke up on my wedding day at 3 o'clock. I did my pitch and then went back to bed. Got too excited, couldn't fall asleep. <laughs> of course. And then at 8 o'clock, I woke up again, do my makeup and do, did my wedding. Yeah. You were up at 3 a.m. on your wedding day to do a pitch. Yes, yes. Oh, and I got it, by the way. Yes, yes. <laughs> but those two days before my wedding, all I did was just in my little bubble. Um, but fortunately, my husband's family, they were very supportive. They were like, okay, we know what Song is doing. Just let her do her own stuff. Yeah. I didn't want to choose career or family. I just wanted both. So I managed to make it happen. <laughs> How long have you been with your husband for? Four years. Four years. Mm -hmm. right. Have you been able to have that work-life balance between you two, or is it sort of chaotic? Um, I won't say it's a work-life balance with him. It's more with myself. How do I... I think now you, you also work from home, so you know sometimes it's difficult to be self-disciplined, uh, be productive, and also take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I overwork myself, or I didn't plan to uh, have much quality time with my partner I didn't eat properly for example so it's more about a whole process of finding a way to how to take care of myself mentally and physically and what? to do the things that I want to do what does your husband do uh, English teacher <laughs> what surprise else? surprise <laughs> Such a big surprise right? I never expected that well because you're talking about discipline but I mean throughout the uh, coronavirus I mean that whole industry was thrown into disarray yeah but you're in the, the film and media entertainment business yeah which is has its own disarrayness 
mm. of its own craziness associated with it. So I, I would almost say that he has much much more stability in terms of just employment being there. Um, no, he actually didn't work for I think nine months last year. Because they shut the school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now it's stable. His work yeah. is stable. He's in an international school. Um, I also had struggles because uh, we couldn't have a very big crew to film. Oh my god, it was such pain, like thinking about, you know, when it was locked down everywhere. I found a location finally who would uh, accept my crew. And then when the time got close, suddenly I got notice saying, the policeman came, we're gonna lock down tomorrow. And then I had to change, change, change. It's just stuff like this always happen. And the actors always told me like two days in advance, oh, my community got locked, locked down. down. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. Yeah. So how did you deal with those situations? I mean, because you're, you're probably on your phone or on WeChat all the time. All the time. Mm. There isn't um, one, uh, uh, for example, a shooting day and then there was like 10 days before the shooting day would be because my productions are small. Yeah. Uh, that would be my uh, pre-production session. For those days, I there isn't a very clear line between life and work. So if something happens, I just got to do it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. How long do you work per day? Do you have a work day or not? Like Every you, day is my work day. Right, but mm -hmm. is there a, a finish time to that work day or not? Um, it's up to like uh, how, how serious or how urgent the things are, yeah. Like I, I like to make plans to make sure um, I don't push myself too hard, yeah. so I can still have time to just relax and chill um, so that I can be fully energetic the second day to get things done more efficiently. Otherwise, it's going to be a full mess, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm guessing you, you, you don't look like you drink very much, though. Oh, I do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I party. Well, I I'm like... a dancer, yeah, I party. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, only when I know, okay, this weekend I've got nothing to do, so this right. Friday night I can party. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, we were talking before about how I've made the switch over to a uh, uh, Ling Dao, uh, like no, no alcohol, basically. And part of it is because, like, being uh, on that second day, but I mean, if you're trying to do work after your work, mm. then you still have to be on. There's no time. I mean, you, you have to ha pick and choose mm. when you're going to be definitely not on anymore sort yes of yes definitely so do you get do you get many time much time off with your work like if if you're working is it Monday to Friday or what's your schedule like um I used to work every day yeah and then it was too much for me yeah um I feel like I think uh, there was a period I was doing four productions within one month there was really lots and I just, uh, the moment I woke up, I, I sat next to my computer and work work until I ate, like I ordered food, I didn't have time to cook until the moment that I went to sleep again. And I kept doing that for two months, maybe I couldn't, man, it's <laughs> too much. So now I try to make sure I put my work on the weekdays only. Yeah. And because also my clients, they don't like to be bothered on weekends as well. So I try Normal to people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I try to do uh, plan my work on the weekdays. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but then on the weekends, like, are you doing any post-production or is it like you've reserved those times for like family time or something else? Sometimes if I, if it's not very important, I won't say important. 
um, like not very urgent thing to do. I would try to put it on Monday, right? Uh, so that I can have some time to for me and my family. Yeah. But uh, if it's like really a big deal, then come on, I gotta do it. <laughs> and yeah. also responsibility, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, is your shooting? Because when uh, like thinking of the film industry, and I remember. Uh, when I met a few of the actors, like they were talking about how some of them had done other work in North America and how different it is here in China. It's oh, just, yeah. Because in Canada, the, the shooting days can happen at any time of day, I guess. Like they, they will call a shot at night sort of thing, right? Do you, do you have that very often? Like there's evening shoots at all or is that... We do evening shoots, yeah. But you were talking about the filming industry, right? The movie thing. Yes, that, that's more what it is, yeah. Not I, the commercial industry. I'm a commercial producer. <laughs> so commercial producer, then you only do daytime, basically. It's more like a d no. Oh, no, no. We work late. We work very late. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, uh, advertisements are, are different from movies and series because those ones, they are long-term projects. Like, they can film on site for a month. Mm -hmm. But uh, our stuff is one or two days, two, three days. That's it. So we have the rundown is quite specific, what time to start, when to shoot what. Um, we don't, we aren't sure actually when is everything going to end because shit can happen outside, it just takes longer time. Um, but in general, like we don't do like, urgent calls like that. Right. Yeah. Okay. But actually, um, I was, you, you reminds me one time um, when I was filming, I think it was last year, filming for a mobile game, a commercial, and I had that deal with this actress, she was the main actress for me, so she was the leader, leader role, about eight hours. And I assumed that all the actors would know that eight hours means minimum eight hours you're gonna be on site because <laughs> you can only leave, the actress can only leave when we're done with the filming on that day, right? Yeah. But she didn't know that, so she, uh, when eight hours is done, we still had one more whole story. I had, I had to film five stories on that day. So I still had a whole story to film. And she was the leader and she packed her bag and I said, Sam, I'm off by. I'm like, no, you can't go now. Come on. Yeah, but uh, she said she had something other thing to do. At that time, there wasn't time for um, being upset or for frustration. So, okay, you can go. And I just quickly called another actress. What did yeah. that do to your storyline? Because you got five stories, you got four. Oh, of them. they were separated. Yeah, they they are they aren't a series. It's, they are every single piece is an individual short story. Okay, so yeah. she was replaceable. Yeah. We all are. <laughs> I'm also replaceable. Come on, come on, that's very sad. Yeah, but actors more so. It's like you go ahead. You can say that you demand your contract by we'll call another English teacher. It's fine. They're unemployed right now anyway. <laughs> no, I was lucky actually. Yeah, because uh, you're right, my stories weren't like a series of yeah. stories, so I could use another face, but, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe if, if I had to film her at that day, then maybe I just had to cancel, call it a day and do it an another day. Yeah. yeah. That would be a big cost for the whole team, because imagine I was paying for the whole crew, 20 people on site. <laughs> I'm glad that didn't happen. <laughs> do, do you have a lot of, uh, can, can we call them divas or egos that you have to deal with in the commercial industry? Because the film industry is notorious mm -hmm. for people, like even bit part actors having big egos about their job and you're going, 
dude, you're replaceable. I mean, you don't need to, there's no need to be that uh, oh. sort of arrogant about what's going on. Maybe that's sort of the, the movie industry yeah. side of things. Like people commercial. with fame, with real fame. I guess. Do, do you have to deal with a lot of those people? Um, not not no. really, yeah. I I know all my work to, uh, actors pretty well. I mean, we've been working together for years. Uh, I like them. I trust them. They trust me. We have a very good relationship, I yeah. think. Yeah. All right, so no problems there. Do, do you have like a core ensemble that you go to basically? Like they're like... These will be sort of like the song years that were being that that commercials were being done by you. That's always the same faces in the in the commercials. So again, sorry. So if you because you, you you know the same actors, mm. right? So and you have different storylines all the time, but it's the same actors. This is like your magnum opus. This is your your massive creativity here. These are going to be <laughs> the years that you were active as a commercial producer mm. in Beijing mm. because all these actors are the same. Is it just the same ensemble or do you? bring in new faces I, br I bring in new faces yeah because um yeah like especially over the past three years during the covid lots of actors they left and no new actors could come inside so we had the, the actor based the pool oh, can i call it a pool pool yeah. of actors just became smaller and smaller so um it it went when it was the worst like we only had a few people that we could choose from so which was pretty bad actually <laughs> imagine all the stories that you can only film with these people but also um which actors to film with it's also it, it depends on the stories like they have their images they have to fit the characters right so sometimes um when i didn't have very suitable actors i would use models from Russia, Ukraine, beautiful okay. faces. Beautiful faces. Yes, their lines aren't as good, but uh, <laughs> you know their advantage at another part. I would do voiceover for them. Uh, yeah, so that's that why happen. so many things are overdubbed. They're doing, they were just a, a face to use mm. for shooting because yeah. CG is still not there just yet. We can't <laughs> can't replicate the actors just yet, but you yeah. can overdub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have to do that a lot, or was that just because of coro uh, coronavirus? Mm, not very often. Yeah, now it's okay. Now people started to come back. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I want to. I think this year I'm probably gonna bring uh, take some projects to overseas to make to it where? easier. Ah, I'm still thinking, man. So I tried to. I managed to find a team in Indonesia because I've got clients that they have their app, they want to release some commercial in Indonesian market. So I managed to find a team there um, and a team in Thailand and maybe Hong Kong and Taiwan as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. a, you're going to hire the locals over there, like a local team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm shooting like maybe, I think a week before the shooting day, I'll go there. Like we will do all the pre-communication online like set up the plan and stuff and then I will be there to be a part of their pre preparation to check the location do the cast the casting of the actors and then we do the shooting yeah and how long is this going to take like is it going to be like the start the, that uh, 10 day window before the shoot or or what uh, what how, do you mean how, how are you gonna you're gonna fly there you're gonna do all the pre-production and then you're gonna fly there mm -hmm. and, and and then what I mean why don't you just continue being online well, I can, but I mean, that's a nice excuse for me to have a vacation. Oh, as well. okay. Oh, so. <laughs> if you can work in Indonesia, who wants to spend their days in Beijing? Come on. 
I don't know. I mean, maybe because your family's here. I mean, isn't it easier and cheaper? No, no I think it would be cool. Yeah. For sure. That, that, I mean, mm -hmm. that's your international jet set lifestyle there, being able to. Yeah, I'm very place. excited for it. So they see it as what, what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. How many projects do you do a month? Uh, Before you said it was four, and that was a lot. Yeah. Hmm. Now it's on and off. Like sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. Oh, this month I'm only doing one. Um, and I do lots of voiceovers as well and some voiceovers are bigger like we need to probably the whole session would be three weeks to a month because you need to do the audition three weeks okay yeah yeah auditions, yeah, you know, auditions demo first and then audition and then put on a schedule I need to arrange a studio voiceover um, director and uh, the, the, the writers of the games, they need to check everything and then the recording and then the edition part, yeah. Um, but uh, there's also like lots of uh, small set projects going on all the time, every day, yeah. Like what? Like for example, uh, Cash Frenzy, you know Cash Frenzy? <laughs> I know and love Cash Frenzy. <laughs> Best yeah. game ever. Ooh, top, top. <laughs> Yeah, that has been going on every day, yeah. Really? It's still going on? Yes, That's yes. a soap opera. Yeah. I think it has to be made into a soap opera. <laughs> yeah, so so dramatic. It is. Right? <laughs> so dramatic. Like, I think the writers are literally... Oh, when can they run out of ideas? Like, they have to come up with different dramatic scenarios all the time. Mm. They had some creative ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but, so that's only a bit part for you, you're saying? Is like Cash Frenzy is sort of like a small... It's uh, like a daily thing that's just going right. on, yeah. And also, um, I've got like small side uh, voiceover projects going on and off all the time, yeah. So how does that compare with your, your larger projects? Like, what, what's, what's the... What makes something a side project and what mm. makes something a, a big main project? Money. <laughs> what do you mean? How much? No, uh, I was I was kidding, yeah. But uh, like if... <laughs> but I don't think you are, because I think money does make the production a whole lot bigger. difference, yes. But uh, I mean, if I'm... Um, my position, I would say, yeah. If I'm... Um, producer like for example the the production I'm um, working on now is I'm going to film next uh, Saturday and Sunday two days uh, I am the producer but I make very very little money out of it because uh, for me it's a uh, better quality better quality production so okay. we're gonna use uh, videos on uh, exhibition like academic type of thing. I read the script, it's like they're all Chinese characters, but I don't understand <laughs> it when they in the line, but not what I mean. <laughs> so uh, it's okay, I have people who can understand and they know the shit that they are doing. I just uh, be a nanny, <laughs> like right. putting things and people together to make sure the director's uh, requirements are met, um, things, um, whatever he needs, he will get it. But it would be like higher quality better quality like more academic documentary type of thing yeah because yeah? my previous uh, productions they are mm, i will say they are like cash frenzy but like social media advertisements yeah yeah so they aren't as 
classy as this one. Do so I don't care about the money here. Right. So I want I want to use it in my resume. I, I want to make it good. I want to make it happen. I want to give it my best. And uh, uh, my position here is a producer. So uh, it's it's my priority. But, so this period, that's my like number one priority. Is your uh, so is your job or your because uh, you have your own production company. Mm. That, that has a name to it. Mm. Now, you you want to uh, do this in good quality. What happens if you don't? Like, does that... If one production doesn't go as planned, like, there, there must be mm. muck-ups all the time that you that are out of your control. But, I mean, at what yeah. point does it make it a bad production? What make... You're saying you put on a resume. It's hard to believe that you actually have a resume. Who are you applying to, sort of thing? Oh, to my clients. Right. Yeah. Because to, to get, like, I, I need to reach out to new clients all the time. And they need to, how like, think about if you are the um, game production and you have a hundred suppliers in your line, sitting in a line, and you, you only have one commercial, you're going to choose one of them. So you want to choose somebody who has experience already, who who know what you're doing and your, your target audience and... Uh, you can look at their previous works and know that they are trust, trust, trusty, trustworthy, yeah. trustworthy, and they're uh, not just going to take your money and run away. Yeah, and also now I have to say, uh, when I just started to be a producer for this mobile game thing that was three years ago, um, the competition was easy. It was like not many people were doing it, uh, and with my I think language advantage, community communication ability so I could start it a bit earlier but then later on more people saw this opportunity and so many other suppliers jumped in this pool like we swim together and yeah. we all trying to get the same production <laughs> so the competition has uh, gone worse yeah is it easy to set up a production company it, it to me it seems like it's a lot easier than it was five mm. ten years ago but I mean get yeah, a camera a microphone yeah, yeah. You've got your you by yourself. You alone is a production team. Yeah, <laughs> a small one, but uh, you can call it that way. Yeah, yeah. It's, but uh, it's so easy. the competitions increase quite a bit. I, mm. I mean, the technology can't be that difficult to get a hold of or, or no, cost. It's not even no. that expensive. Mm. I think my challenge is more about um, how can I be uh, trustworthy for my clients. Yeah. Let them know that they can trust me with with their money that uh, I can take good advantage of their money their budget and maximize uh, the resources to to make the best outcome out of it and also um, I need to have a good eye on people like to choose which directors I work with mm -hmm. even smaller positions like gaffer wardrobe guy these are all like actors for example uh, these are all very, th th every single person is important on site, yeah. So you need to choose the one you know that you can have a vibe, good vibe work working together with, yeah. So how do you, how do you make these choices? Is, is it all about the people or is there, is there a certain element that you can cover up because of the technology or just delete it sort of thing? I mean, you talk about the gaffer. Mm -hmm. Do most people look at the gaffer that you're hiring for the, the team or is that more for your own production? Like, will he get along or they get along with the rest um, of the team? 
I actually prefer if the uh, the director I trust I give the <coughs> director lots of trust as well. So if the director saying uh, like DP and the gaffer uh, the two most important people for him like if he has his own like uh, colleagues well they're not real colleagues because in this industry people are all like kind of freelancers like mm -hmm. we team up together when we are on site for one production but uh, basically we on our own right so uh, if the director has his own choices then I would give him the trust to use the people that um, he has been working with for the past like previous productions oh, really? yeah but uh, if he doesn't, then I'm gonna choose. So I'm gonna look. Well, I have I have a pool. <laughs> I use the word pool a lot. <laughs> That's what it is. A lot of people. <laughs> I don't know another <laughs> word for it. Um, like a kind of database of people. Yeah, that I know. Um, I've met uh, over the years. I've worked. I know. Uh, I also I also need to match their ability their offer with my budget yeah because if i have very small budget i can't use a very good director it doesn't matter how good <laughs> he is yeah i can't i can't satisfy his needs he's going to use all the best things that i i don't have the budget for and also if i have a better one so which means the client will have a higher ex uh, expectation i can't give him shit people because i want to make more money that's not gonna work because where does that lead me to like i i have to give them like the equally good people so that their expectation can be met yeah. so how do you make that choice of the budget to the the uh, skilled professional on the other side. I mean, how do you, how do you make that uh, decision about which one on your in your pool gets selected? Good question. Because <laughs> I coin toss. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I think that's. Um, I'm gonna be honest. That's be that would be one of my biggest fears and dis disadvantages because I didn't <clears throat> study in directing or filming or producing by myself in the university. What did you study? Business English? No, oh, okay. Russian language and okay. literature. Boom, directly into the film industry <laughs> with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if I, I would say if um, I majored in directing, I probably would have better judges better uh, better judgment than the your judgment right yeah but now sometimes i do doubt my own choices but it turned out okay yeah you're Which still I working need, yeah yeah you're making <laughs> I, money <laughs> i use my ex experiences um, um of course i if i have things if i meet the situation that i can't really tell if this is a good fit I will ask uh, some like friends that I know like they can definitely tell yeah yeah so I'm not shy at uh, reaching out for help yeah but and also I try to um, get myself a little bit better when I was uh, uh, starting to get more voiceovers I was like okay you know what I I need to know more shit about this thing so I joined the voiceover acting session. I spent the whole summer studying there uh, by myself just to know... Where? Oh, it's in Beijing. Yeah. There's quite a, a few pretty famous uh, voiceover studios that they have their own training sessions. So you don't know... How, you, you didn't know how to do voiceovers before? You took like a class, basically? Yeah, yeah. And then now have your own voice acting division in your production company? Yeah. 
that so, easy, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's easy. We all like, I mean, we don't know something. We just, just spend time on it, spend money and studying. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, you're gonna have a better taste. Uh, and I listen lots. Uh, even when my husband is playing, I'm always listening to the voiceovers. Yeah. Uh, pay attention to the uh, when I watch movies and stuff. I try to do lapier. I don't know how to say this in English. But basically, you um, you make a, a like storyboard. Mm -hmm. Like you you're trying to get the movie back to how they before they filmed the movie. You. I make screenshots of the different angles of the cameras and uh, about the transition, you, you know, so, so just spend time studying, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I also um, joined the <coughs> New York Film Academy uh, online producer session okay. yeah, last year. How much was that? Oh, it's actually much cheaper than I thought, yeah. Really? Yeah, it was only... Um, attend two thousand dollars something yeah <laughs> well it's cheap i guess yeah well because the one the voiceover uh, uh session that i took in beijing that was a ten no thirteen thousand dollars a couple of years ago yeah. yeah this is about the same with the new york film academy so i mean that's okay yeah but do you think beijing is the same as the new york film academy no that's <laughs> what i mean it's a very good deal right. yeah yeah and there are so many other online things that we can take yeah yeah so how much uh you don't have to give me specifics uh you can if you want like is it lucrative to be in this film production particularly in china in beijing or just in general if someone was listening to this and like oh i could do voice acting because i know a lot of people think they can mm. not all of them can though is it is it worth making the plunge into that industry oh <laughs> I mean, I mean to start with, um, if you have the interest in it, if your personality, if you're an outgoing person, you're not afraid of the camera, you're not afraid of, because you're going to open up yourself, you're going to let your emotions go, you're going to deliver different types of like emotions, tones, right? So if you happen to have that part in your personality and that could be fun for you then sure give it a shot and I mean I worked uh, I, I, we've done many voiceover project uh, productions and we have worked with so many people who had absolutely no experience in voiceovers before uh, but because on audition their voice can be a good match you know it's it's more about if you are suitable to this character or role or whatever but uh, if you want to make a good living out of it. Mm -hmm. Ah man, you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna be trained. <laughs> Not every single person can do that. You yeah. Know, yeah. You, I think uh, Kay Gambit is the guy uh, who's uh, pretty good at the voice acting as well. I love him. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's phenomenal uh, yeah. ability to, because uh, he does it in his stand-up comedy as well. I, I love his shows. Yes. But he does accents in his uh, stand-up as well. And it's, mm. it's always like, wow, you actually nailed that one pretty well. Yeah, and uh, one thing very amazing about his comedy, I think uh, he he uses his voice uh, vocal skills very well and the accent skills in his comedy. So he can do more different types of stand-up comedies that other comedians cannot do. Yeah. Um, that's a very big advantage, yeah. Uh, one uh, production I was looking to get into uh, that uh, I haven't taken the jump just yet, but I've um, been entertaining the idea for a while is to get into stunt doubling. Do you deal with stunt doubles at all? 
What does that mean? So when there's a fight sequence, uh, mm -hmm. you hi you don't hire the actor to do the fighting. You hire someone else to do the fighting for the actor. Ah. That stuff. And there's a guy who's based here in China, or mm -hmm. based in Beijing, and he mm -hmm. does stunt double acting, or like fight sequence acting mm -hmm. sort of thing. So I was, I was looking to get into that, and his, I think he would, his group classes were like 150 renminbi or something, but he'll... I know he'll, which one you're talking it's, about. Well, it's Troy Sanderson. Troy. Yeah, he, he, he runs a thing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it looks really cool, I'm not yeah. sure. Like, is it, if someone wanted to look at China and not be an English teacher, mm -hmm. could they have the dream of coming here and being in the film industry or is yes of course yeah <laughs> of course what would their first sort of um what would their entrance be um uh, man you you better have a nice show reel like you you can't come here absolutely without any experience right so if you have like a little bit of experience back in your country you have your resume see hey this is uh the parts that I've taken before and uh, pieces of the production videos that you've been before just like a simple showreel you know yeah. and, and, and many doors will open to you yeah and reach out to the agents to producers like me if you got experience I will leave my <laughs> contact information <laughs> call me <laughs> do you need more people like is it all the time what do you need them for just because the the schedules uh, I mean if someone's job is to be an actor in mm. Beijing in China, mm. what else have they got to do except act? Yeah, but I mean, we have so many different diverse roles all the time. You never know what type of roles that your writer are going to come up with right. next, you know. So uh, especially, oh, we need more girls. Yeah. White really? girls. <laughs> I'm sorry for saying that, but white girls. I need a white woman. <laughs> that well, your your group, your voice actor group, blew up that one time when you sent out that description of uh, some game characters, and it was, it was. I guess you would call it stereotypical. Yeah. But and I remember some people were fighting for you on that side, going, yeah. "It's it is what it is. You wouldn't play a game that didn't." have those elements in it because then you'd be like well this isn't real mm. <laughs> do you face that a lot that sort of pushback from the uh, stereotypes <laughs> of what you're casting who you're casting you know after what happened the, the thing that you mentioned that argument right i've i decided not to post my audition files <laughs> <laughs> details in the group so that 200 300 people can see that and, and argue that. about it yes because yeah. unfortunately um there are things that we can't decide like what the the writers they maybe they didn't mean to do that either but yeah. they 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 are making taking advantage of the stereotype of a certain type of people because the market accepts it better like maybe it's not w what they wanted either and for me man i'm just a small producer <laughs> I, i'm just doing my work i just need to meet my clients requirements <laughs> yeah. like i can't like it's like they need a latino guy for this character i can't say like this is wrong man this is racist <laughs> i can't do that no like it's either i get the production or not it's right. very simple yeah so after that argument um i i fully understand what was going on like some people may get hurt um seeing those type of stereotypes like same with the asian like you know people have stereotype about yellow as well <laughs> i'm yellow you're white that's so wrong for me saying that but uh, 
when it comes to work, yeah. Well, I, especially I, in a visual medium. I mean, mm -hmm. the one movie that uh, comes to mind uh, with uh, why didn't you cast the locals or something like that was, uh, or why did you cast the locals? It was uh, Taras Bulba, which is an old Ukrainian movie that was Yul Brenner. He was cast in this role of Taras Bulba. And they shot it in Argentina, mm -hmm. but they imported a bunch of people, uh, and it was like it, the where who they were trying to portray and who they casted for it did not match. Mm -hmm. And it's just like so it's a classic movie, classic movie. Everyone loves to watch it, but it's just like one of these things you're going, ah, uh, yeah. Is, at what point does authenticity of real life meet the authenticity of the movie mm -hmm. of the the story life that you need? And I guess like uh, the whole industry has undergone a sort of, um, yeah. I don't know if it's an introspection, but it's a scrutinization. There, people are scrutinizing and looking at the film industry and going, why aren't you casting more black people in black roles? Mm. Why aren't you casting mm. more Asian in Asian roles yeah. and not just either whitewashing it or vice versa? So, yeah. But I mean, for commercials... I can't really decide that, yeah. It's uh, not my position to say... Uh, I can give advices, sometimes I do, um, but I, I, I'm not the boss here, yeah, right. I, <laughs> I meet the client's uh, satisfaction, yeah. I'm surprised you need more white women, what happened to them all? Are they just not in China uh, or they're not interested in acting? I don't know, actually, I found just, um, I also noticed that over the years, uh, just that the expected community is very male dominant. There's no more guys here. Really? Mm. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Um, we always have lots of uh, male actors to choose from, but uh, we always like uh, female actresses. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have a, uh, do you talk to, to a lot of people outside of China, like expats or, or people who want to come to China? Because I, I know no one talks about coming to China. Really? No one. I, I know people who've come over here, mm. uh, but I never knew them prior to them sort of either showing up or we sort of met along the way of them coming mm. over here. So all basically ESL based. But, uh, I mean, that's also one of the reasons why um, now since the doors open, I want to try to bring take my uh, productions overseas. overseas yeah. to, it will be easier because there will be more actors outside the uh, more local uh, locations that I can I can use like here for example we have to the studios they're still like in a Chinese environment you know so we need to make things look a bit different to make it look more Western because our commercials are being used overseas uh, that's why we use all the foreign actors but if I can just film it overseas then that problem the localization problem will be solved by itself yeah yeah I think one of the uh, telltale telltale signs of something being shot in China is uh, furniture like this, because mm -hmm. all these buildings were, uh, all these apartments were made at a certain time, mm -hmm. and they all use the same standard sort of furniture. <laughs> you can just see a commercial like that's China. That is a Chinese production. <laughs> you can't get that in Canada. There's no way you to fake that. That I mean, I don't know why you would. I mean, it's it's it doesn't make sense. But yeah. it's not IKEA. It's like. I don't even know what the brand name is, but they all they all look the same, all that same beige color and everything. Mm -hmm. So, so th is this something that you see yourself continuing on f three, five, ten years? I mean, ten years is a long time. Five years is a long time. Mm -hmm. Five That's years we had coronavirus, time. so that three years, whatever. But mm -hmm. in three years' time, what do you think? 
I think it's a good direction for me to go. But uh, I also try to develop new skills, try to learn new things. Not only... Um, maybe as a producer I can try to make uh, commercials for different type of uh, products, not only apps or mobile games, maybe something else like documentaries, always something that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I know it's not much money in there, but uh, it sounds really cool. <laughs> um, and uh, I try to um, do script writing as well. How did that go? I pretty well actually. Yeah. I, I wasn't confident in myself at all, but then um, there was last year the scripts, uh, the creative ideas that my scriptwriter gave me, I wasn't very happy with. So I came up with two, I added my own in there and they got accepted. It was pretty well, yeah. So just like things like this um, give me more confidence. It's like a positive uh, feedback to me to make me feel, you know, less afraid of trying new things. Yeah. So with the documentaries, that, that would be m much more creative output than the commercials. And the commercials have their own sort of creativity. Mm. But documentaries, are you talking like going to South Africa and shooting a documentary or...? I don't know, man. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'll see how life takes me. Yeah. yeah. Would you be interested in getting into more original creations that aren't so commercial, like uh, original screenwriting, things like that? Maybe. I don't know if... Um but also I'm interested in money, you know, in making money. I know, <laughs> I know that's the thing about commercials, your, your, um, your profits are pretty guaranteed. Um, yeah. So it's not up to how the, the, the market will, uh, like how many views, how much views you're going to get and stuff. Um, for that, I'll think about it later maybe, but uh, I like to do things I enjoy along with making money at the same time yes so <laughs> i think it's very common though a lot of the, the creatives they do they either teach on the side like mm -hmm. either for a university they'll, they'll work for new york film academy or something but mm. uh they'll do commercials as well like it, mm. they, it just won't get the same sexy glitz and glam front page coverage yeah but they'll still do it because like mm. gotta eat sort of thing I mean, as well mm. but uh so then if you do that because you also did some script writing though for uh, a play didn't you Oh yeah, was that the no? I wasn't writing the script for them. Um, I just do some uh, s stage play, uh, perform some stage play from time to time. Mm. There was wasn't there one last year? It was all women. Yeah. And which one was that? Like the script. Okay. Yeah. So did you write anything for that? Or? No, no, no. We uh, the producer. Do you know her, Tatiana? Tatiana, yeah, yeah. yeah she, she was she on the podcast. <laughs> I thought I thought you guys might know each other because she's also running her own uh, podcast. A very creative woman, full of energy, very positive. I I like her lots. So she got all the scripts from online. So those are the scripts that were were written already. So she oh, okay. picked some pieces, and she produced that event. And now she's um, producing another one. I will invite you later. I'm in Hong Kong that weekend. Uh, seventh, rugby seventh to watch uh, that. That's March thirty first, I think, is the yeah April first. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, Hong Kong. No, what's on Hong Kong? Creamfields, some EDM festival, electronic oh. mu uh, music. Oh my god, that's cool. 
I guess. I'm going because it's Hong Kong. I'm going because it's not Beijing. I'm going because I haven't left Beijing in a very long time. Uh, I'm like, let's go. Enjoy, <laughs> man. Enjoy. I like Hong Kong so much. So she's doing, uh, Tatiana, she's directing it, I guess, or she's helming it. She's uh, putting mm. it all together. Yeah. Uh, this would be her, because she. I guess she does only one production per year? I'm not sure. Stage play, I think, yeah. But uh, she does so many other stuff. Yeah. Some poetry thing. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've never been there before, but I saw the flyers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of your productions, like, um, are you hands-on at all in terms of making stuff? Or is it you always have other people? Because I'm, I'm thinking, you're, you're talking about going overseas to uh, hire other crews. Mm. Do you ever press record or hold a microphone? Or is it you tell, you tell other people to press record? I tell other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not my job. Is to uh, as a producer. It's like it, it's about you put you arrange the people together. You put up a team together. Right. Yeah, and you let the um, suitable people to do the job that they would they, 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 that will fit them the best, right? Yeah. So I I don't. Well, I actually directed something by myself. A small, a very small uh, commercial last year or two years ago but that was easy that was very easy acting and I, I was trained in acting as well so for me it was okay I did that twice my clients were very happy about it but if it's more complicated I would delegate it to the suitable people to do it yeah right okay mm -hmm. uh, do you prefer to be in sort of the control mode rather than in front of the camera producer or in front of the camera me in front of the camera? No, I don't think that's my thing. <laughs> Why not? Uh, to be honest, I don't think I'm qualified to, to be... Uh, are you asking me, do I prefer to be an actress? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not qualified, man. Come what on. qualifies someone to be an actress? Well... <laughs> Showing up and, you know, having a face that's willing to be on camera, basically. There, there are millions of amazing actors in China. Who would want to see me? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, well, because there is a certain skill in being able to present on camera as mm -hmm. well. But, I mean, you're not just a producer as well. You said you're also a dancer. Uh, and That's uh, just a hobby. That, okay, so were you thinking... I remember, like, I'm looking at my show notes or these mm -hmm. uh, notes from months ago that we created this. Um, so you you were a model or you are a model? No, 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 I was um, model agent. Model agent, yeah. oh, that's okay. That's not what I uh, mm -hmm. heard, um, right? But you, so you do the dancing, that's mostly a, a hobby you said. How often do you do that then? Pretty often, I think three times in a week, yeah. That's a lot. Mm. I used to be more passionate about it. Um, I think three years ago, I danced. I could dance five hours in a day, and I was um, with my crew. We did some shows for TV, like you know, some sh TV shows that they have the singer singing in front, and we were dancing behind the singers. Right. Yeah, and uh, or some commercial events like McDonald's, they have an opening <laughs> and we would do our choreography there as a crew. But that was really time con consuming, yeah. I have, um, now dance has become like a, s a smaller part of my life. I just do it for fun. Right. So I don't do the, you know, I, I left my crew, so. 
Right. So you wouldn't take up dancing as a career then. <laughs> That's even harder than uh, being a, being an actor as well. Yeah. Now the other story that uh, you told me about that was, I think had me laughing was the fact that you lost how much a million. That was dollars? the wrong number, by the way. <laughs> That's not that much. Yeah, it was um, when I just graduated. Yeah, when I just started to work. I I never worked one day in the company. So after university, I was like, okay, uh, maybe I can do something. I don't know. I was just looking around. What should I do? What do I want to do? And then my friends uh, did not live stream at that time. They just started to become popular in China. That was 2014. Okay. Oh my God, I feel so old. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, we, they, uh, my friends, they were working in a live stream company. So basically they have the resources from the platform already. And they wanted to make a team of, um, what do you call them in English? Like hosts or live streamers, influencers? Well, influencers, I guess they, they're trying to sell stuff, but live streamers are just people who are yakking on it, like Live streamers, yeah. yeah. Then, well, let's use live, live streamers, yeah. Um, a, a team of foreign girls live streamers to be different from what's going on in the market already. So, um, and we got an investor, he invested us half a million at that time. Uh, half a million, not, yeah. not the full million. No, no, no. Um, we were excited, so we uh, rent a studio, I decorated the studio, and I recruited the girls. I didn't know many people, so <laughs> I sent a message on, you know, Vkontakte, VK, it's like Russian. Yep. Oh, you know that? I, yep. Really? <laughs> uh, I mean, basically only Russian uh, speakers use that platform. It's, it's an exact copy of Facebook. Yes, yes. A little bit better because they don't have the same copyright infringements uh, mm. built into it, whereas Facebook will block you if you have if you don't have rights to post something, but Contact does not. Yeah. I lived in Ukraine and I think I still have a profile. I'm not entirely oh, sure. Oh, okay. That explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I just we I was looking for uh, pretty girls. <laughs> High White. qualifications here. <laughs> White, because that's the team that they want to make just to be look different from the other live streamers and uh, who can speak pretty good Chinese because we want them to be able to communicate with the audience. Yeah. Um, so I was doing that for two years and a half maybe and then we lost all the money. Well, how did you lose the money over two and a half years? Because we we were making money, but not as fast as the the speed that we were spending the money on the live streamers. We pay them by so, hour. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they are so. only too happy to keep on working as long as the paychecks are coming. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, How much were you paying them? Five hundred thousand is a lot of money. Um, I don't know how much by hour. I think because they were all students, so they couldn't. Do it at a full-time job. Yeah, there was only like two hours in a day. Uh, they come probably five days in a week. Mm. Actually, I don't remember. Not much. Yeah, <laughs> because I we, I I still remember we couldn't afford the models to do that because obviously, models uh, who have been in China for a long time that they have the advantage, but they were too expensive for us. Okay. So we wanted to try to run a bit longer. So uh, for me as a recruiter at the time, like a headhunter, 
it's more work it was more work for me because I had to use all my ways to reach out to people especially the students who had the time to do part-time job um, and wanted some extra cash basically yeah. yeah so two and a half years though I mean you mm. I mean you made it sound as if you lost it like that sort of thing it was very quick but I mean two and a half years is a good time to, yeah to lose a half a million dollars <laughs> <laughs> not dollars man the RMB yeah oh, oh so it's only R&B. like 90,000 uh, US dollars 100,000 Canadian roughly Okay, you were thinking about in dollars. I don't know the, the, the currency rate of... Uh, divide by seven to get the US dollar. US dollar, yeah. Yeah. And divide by five to get the Canadian dollar. Guys, not stuck with it. My mind is <laughs> Anyway, so then what was your biggest takeaway from losing so much money over two and a half years? I was really bad at managing the team. I feel like this is me talking to my therapist and <laughs> like the tears are coming out. Yeah, when I look back, I, I did many mistakes. Yeah, I um, I was not experiencing any work at all. I just came out of the university. So I didn't really know how to... I, I should be manage the team better. But well, in what way though? How can you manage a team better? You're, you're paying the live streamers money. Mm-hmm. They're happy. Mm-hmm. You got a cell phone set up somewhere uh, to, to live stream. Yeah, but there are so many other details. How do you like them? How do you make the live streamers be better at their work? Like if they are doing a shit work, you can't just like keep going that way, right? You, you're gonna come up with ways to find people to train them, or you um, give them like. Um, encouraging system of, of direction, the pain. yeah, or directions. directions, yeah. Uh, I think I didn't. I would say I wasn't smart enough, but um, also I wasn't good at uh, dealing with the payment very well. Mm. Sometimes the pay got a bit late, and the pe- they would uh, <laughs> complain about it. And I feel sorry too, but because me and my partners, we weren't doing a very good communication. Like we didn't have a very clear system for ourselves. So right. the I would say the management was really bad. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, I mean, at least you you learned that though. This and that's mm. a, uh, contributed to your success now. I mean, you're, you're doing commercials. I don't see myself as successful. You're still in business three years. (laughs) (laughs) I'm proud of myself, but I mean, uh, it's a long way to go. Yeah. Where's the end? I don't know. I don't see an end uh, there. I mean, I enjoy what I'm doing now. I focus on the present moments. Yeah. As long as I'm having enough fun, I'm living a life that I'm um, I'm happy with, and the things I do that I'm proud of, then that's enough for me. Yeah. Who was the investor that gave you that half million renminbi? Was it a Chinese investor or yeah, overseas? Yeah, a very rich guy. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he didn't even care about that money. Like, Probably not. No. That yeah. amount of money, if he's yeah, I don't know. But two thousand fourteen, that's that's a lot of money to, to all of a sudden have in your bank account. But it wasn't your bank account. Yeah. I'm guessing it was a business bank account. Yeah, business bank. But uh, at that time, two thousand fourteen, that's nine years ago. Live streaming. What was it like? It's not like it is today, is it? I mean, yeah. I use Bego. Do you know Bego? Mm-mm. Yeah, a lot of people are like, don't use Bego. It's a, I think it's an OnlyFans feeder website, basically. And you know what OnlyFans is? It's very notorious for um, adult content. 
<laughs> and the girls is that on... a sexual thing that you pay and you see the more sexual part of it yes yes like a cam girl yes that's oh. pretty much exactly what it is <laughs> it's not supposed to be but that's what it is okay so this Bego app uh, not that I'm using it for that mm. I'm using it because they uh, I find Chinese live streamers who talk mm. and my biggest uh, impediment to learning Chinese uh, I'm not, is your husband learning Chinese at all? He gave up. Okay, so <laughs> one of the reasons why people give up is because you study standard Putonghua mm. in the te textbook HSK book. Yeah. Fine. You try to study with your girlfriend uh, or wife, but it never works with the wife. By that time, it's too late. Okay. Girlfriend, maybe. But then before all that, you're trying to learn uh, the language, and you, you learn the textbook language, but then you go talk to people, and you can't understand them. Mm -hmm. And it's because of the, the different dialects and the different accents. Yes. So Bigo is allowing me to have exposure to different accents around China. Oh. That's what I'm using it for. That's what I tell my girlfriend anyway. <laughs> but I was also, I, I, I did mention this to another girl. She's like, yeah, Bigo is um, not a, uh, it, it's a live streaming app. And basically these these girls mm. or guys or whatever, I guess it, it feeds girls to my, because my, I'm, I'm, my profile is as a man on, mm. on there, as it should be. Uh, but they, it's all these girls who just sit there talking and they have little decorations on their face and they're singing. It's terrible. It's, a lot of them are horrible singers. It's, but <laughs> what was your live streaming back then, like 2014? Was it, a lot, it was a lot simpler back then, I think. No, we didn't get accepted very easily. Like when I was recruiting, um, at that time, live stream wasn't a big thing at all. No, yeah. zero. It, it, it just started up. So... Uh, I got like when I reach out to girls sometimes I got feedback like oh you can do this job by yourself your mom would be proud of you like they thought I was asking them to do something sexual yes and that's very common <laughs> yeah but well that's not what we did I tried to explain but it's difficult yeah so if you if you picture um, a woman in front of a private space in front of the camera then that's the, probably the stereotype you, you could come up with yeah I don't think it's unwarranted I think a lot of technology has has grown because of that exact access mm. women dancing in front of a camera for mm. people around the world yeah, yeah but <laughs> it hasn't that, changed with Bigo at all. Uh, Bigo is not a Chinese platform, right? Uh, Singapore. I think Singapore. it was bought out by a Chinese guy, though. I'm not sure. Uh, there was a Chinese connection. Mm. Um, and that, the only reason I got back onto it, I remember years ago, it, it came across in the, the, the app feed of like new apps. Mm. But this uh, there's a guy I know in Canada who, I guess he's a live streamer mm -hmm. on Bigo. I'm like, mm -hmm. what the and I'm thinking, like, Beagle, this app that I deleted from my phone because I thought it was spam and an OnlyFans feeder website. Like, it, it was totally a scam, I was thinking. He's, like, he's asking me about it because he was asking me about Chinese, like, language and, like, Chinese women. Mm. Like, what the <laughs> What are you doing on this app? But he, I guess a lot of um, the, the bots mm. are programmed by Chinese programmers. And this webs, I don't know how they're doing it, but... A lot of the interaction, we quote mm. that interaction, is just bots, programmed mm. bots to say certain questions or say certain things, sometimes in uh, English, sometimes in Chinese, sometimes in Spanish. Mm. And so he's, he's asking what these characters mean and stuff like that. So oh, okay. it was 
he gets paid money to be a live streamer. He is not a young woman. He is not. He can't even be it. But uh, he's he's using this app to uh, live stream, and I thought it was really bizarre because live streaming is m you hear it more now in China. Yeah. Where people are like, "Well, I'm a live streamer." Right? Yeah. So what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's it's uh, way more commercial. It's like it's about how you sell things, right? And or um, on TikTok, they they do lots of games and stuff. It's they're making lots of money. Uh, but actually, like you were talking about the overseas uh, platforms, but in China, the uh, restrictions about these live stream platforms they're very strict like for example you can't show too much of your boobs right. like even a little bit and then your channel will be banned immediately really? yes it's very strict yeah it's not like the russian girls no not <laughs> at all yeah so even with that uh guaranteeing like it's it's okay because you won't be able to you know it's it's nothing too much to show your body or but i understand like of course lots of people aren't willing to do that so i did meet quite lots of like um people were not willing to talk about it with me i, I took it yeah i accepted it yeah so i just kept on going kept on moving on to the next person who might be interested in did you ever do live streaming mm -mm, no. never yeah that's just a manager yeah <laughs> Are you interested at all? Not doing it at all? No, uh, I think um, um, I got quite lots of like bad feedback about the people on from the people online. People can be very mean online. Horrible, horrible, horrible people. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, I wasn't confident in myself enough to deal with that situation. Ah, uh, yeah. right on. Yeah. yeah. Trolls. The trolls, the pie bots, yeah, they're terrible, terrible. I have realized that you have to have a very good, almost a sick sense of humor or an ability just to block it out mm. to deal with those. Uh, Mentally the, very powerful and strong. I don't know if you have to be that strong. Just <laughs> block it out. You're like, yeah, but uh, I'm streaming, you're not. I'm making money, you're not. So, mm -hmm. And the blocking technology is a lot better. You can block people a lot easier. Yeah, oh, we so used to. We, we had um, every, every time when our live streamers uh, was, were online, we always had a s special person, like kind of manager, just yeah, to, yeah, yeah. responsible for blocking people. <laughs> Full-time job there, like click, yeah, click, Yeah, because they say ugly, nasty things to these girls. I mean, man, that's not right. They probably post this in real life. Like they didn't have, they, they can never have a chance to talk to a pretty girl like this in real life. <laughs> yeah, and they get the chance to say whatever they want online. Now they're just being as nasty as they want. Do you think it's all guys or can it be girls too? Trolling other girls? I think it can be girls too, yeah. I, but it's mainly guys. But my, my, uh, when my girlfriend saw uh, the Beagle app, she's like, those are all guys. She's just looking at the girls on, she's like, they're yeah. all guys, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Probably didn't wash their face for 10 days and eating instant noodle with a big tummy and like, oh, you look ugly. <laughs> Man, it's pathetic. We'll use that as the YouTube clip. <laughs> um, yeah, um, but uh, after, after that, so we, I was doing that for two and a half years and then I switched to like, at the end I got uh, offers from some other commercial production teams already saying, hey, 
do you have the models for this project, for example? So I started to take offer select, and then I was like, okay, how about uh, since this is this isn't working out, how about I just start to work, try to work as a model agent? That's how the model oh, agent okay. thing started. So it just kind of grew off of the one other. Yeah. Right? So live streaming into model yeah. agency, and then commercials. Yeah, and, and then uh, with the models, it was at that time they were more like uh, clothes factories and brands studios still in Beijing. Uh, that was years ago, uh, so I was arranging models to, to shoot pictures and stuff of them, and then more uh, video commercials, so more actors involved. Um, so I grew from model agent to kind of like casting director, you can call it that way, and then all these factories, they got banned out of Beijing. They all moved out of Beijing to sort out the pollution situation. That okay. was a couple of years ago. I well, don't that, know if you remember that. 2017, sort of, it changed. Mm. Beijing, like, it used to be a lot of pollution here. Then they, uh, yeah. they went to natural gas. Yeah. So you see, it's a big line. So I'm just a small part of this line and I also got affected. I was like, okay, don't worry. So I started working video commercials more uh, as a casting director. Uh, repre representing a few, like I was working with a few producers to help them sorting out their actor needs. And then I was like, hey, uh, how about I give it a try by myself? So I started to pitch for um, the whole production. Right. Know? I felt at the first time, I still remember that night, I was crying. <laughs> what, what happened? Uh, so I, the, um, my client, um, it's a it's a big uh, game production that uh, they have been um, using actors from me for quite a while, and then they said, okay, we have this production, maybe you want to give it a shot because uh, we know that we talked about this before. It's like yes, yes, please give me the chance. Uh, so I made a plan, um, but obviously I wasn't experienced at all, so I didn't um, have a very good judgment about their budget about what director and stuff to match them with. Um, and I felt, yeah, which were How like, much no. money did you lose? I didn't lose oh, any money. Not, yeah. Is that really a failure then if you didn't lose any money? It's not a failure, it's a lesson. lesson? <laughs> it's a free okay. lesson, yes. I like I like the way you look at it, yes. Um, I learned a lot from, from it and um, my I remember then I was crying on the couch and then my husband was, uh, comfort to me saying don't worry uh, you will get it better and uh, do another pitch next time just don't give up uh, maybe it will happen next time uh, and if, it did yeah, yeah it did. so had it not uh, what would you have done instead what, what were your options uh, if, if uh, you mean if I were given the same <laughs> well because you, you were again? broken down into tears I mean you've already lost half a million ribbon B now you're pitching not this. my money so I was okay <laughs> <laughs> and now your husband's saying don't give up I mean at least he's got English teaching which at the time was a mm. steady job mm. and then coronavirus happened but I mean oh actually it came out to me um, before I started to pitch for that that like a bigger produ production I was already doing, I think for uh, half a year, I was doing very small, small video productions by myself. Right. Because I have the contacts of all these uh, of factories, small factories, clothes brands and stuff. And I went to, um, the, you know, there are big exhibitions in Beijing, in Guangzhou, Shanghai. 
So I, I went to the beauty exhibitions. So I got all the contacts of the factory leaders' bosses. I was like, I will make videos for you for very, very cheap money. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, did it work? Yes. Okay. Yes. I can't believe it. Yeah, but it's. Uh, I mean, it's a nice occasion for people to talk with each other like if i knock their office door to saying hey do you want to make videos they probably would tell me to fuck off but at the exhibition there was okay they were chilling there they were doing nothing they were showing their products if they really have the needs and they were willing they actually were willing to talk to me so some of them sent uh, products to me like 30 50 and I wrote the uh, scripts for all the every single piece of the video. That was very, very little money and lots of fucking work. <laughs> yeah, but I knew I was doing it. I was very grateful because I feel that was um, somebody were paying me for a lesson. So um, the the I won't say the videos. As you can imagine, it was only me. And later <laughs> on, <laughs> later on, I got a foot. A camera guy a friend to help me film uh, so it was only me the camera guy and the model so it can't be good come on <laughs> oh don't say that <laughs> I, I was trying my best but it, you cannot compare it with uh, a full cruise yes yeah. yes you can't compare them but for the price I think I was only charging what 300 or 500 for one video that's so little money but for three people because you're charging 500 uh, yeah, but but i was um combining lots of products to film in one day okay yeah, yeah. yeah and i because i didn't have any budget so i was using um, my own apartment my yeah. apartment looked very nice um it was small but it looks very cozy and in uh, at the in the on the first floor of my apartment building there was a public room so we filmed lots there and my community was very beautiful it was like a you know, opposite to the Chijoba nine, seven, nine, eight. Yeah, yeah, the art district. There was this. Uh, we our apartment was there, so we could film literally downstairs in our community with with beautiful roles and stuff, and in the art district. So the location was. I managed to make the location free, and uh, I know the models very well because at that time I had already been working as a model agent for years. So. I asked those girls who like I knew better already like and I don't I didn't force them to come at a perfect uh, like any a specific day so I asked them if today you have free time would you consider come to my place and we can make some short videos together um, and they were doing a great favor for me I was very mm -hmm. grateful they asked for much less money than because normally for models you pay by hour like at least a five five hundred an hour oh. yeah so at that time, <laughs> they were doing uh, only for a thousand for a day to do a favor for me. Yeah, and um, I had a few girls that um, I just asked them because those are I just saw the three body. Yeah. And Xu Sanguan Mai Xue Ji. Did you read it? No. Ah, oh, not yours. <laughs> All right. I think I have gotten through. Um, this is page 12. Mm. Uh, this one is... This is... Oh, look at the bookmark is even gone. You know what that means? I had to restart it. Oh, uh, alright. But this is very complex. You're on HSK 6, you said? Five. 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 It's trying. pretty complicated for you to read. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. I bought that three years ago. 
Uh, I was uh, speaking. Your husband gave up. I know why. Because you look at that, the the, the, the language, and you're like, hmm, yes. Because what happens is that uh, your husband's from South Africa, right? Okay. So uh, probably the Western method of learning a language is like, well, I'm just going to sit down and read a book. Mm. I'm going to start reading. I remember this German guy at university. He was like, well, when I needed to learn English, I just started reading the newspaper. And I'm thinking, that won't work with Chinese. No. It can't work with mm-hmm. Chinese. And it doesn't work with Chinese. Mm-hmm. And so this was part of that sort of push three, four years ago, because I remember I read this book in English. Uh, and this book, uh, Su uh, Guan by uh, Yu Hua, mm-hmm. um, it, was, uh, it was recommended to me by a colleague who's like, it's an easy-ish book. It's mm-hmm. not horribly difficult but still very difficult for me at my yes, level. Yes, of course. You, you cannot just pick up Chinese by reading it. No. You don't know what the sounds are. You don't know what the characters mean. Like, mm. Even if you didn't know the sounds, you don't know what the characters mean. Like, Chinese has is it three or four languages all within one. You have the characters, you have the tones, you have the sounds, and then you have how they're spoken. So it's like that. There's your dialect, your issue. Okay. So it's like someone in Dongbei says it differently from Xinjiang, says it different yes. from Guangzhou. Mm. Same language. Yeah. Different. <laughs> yeah. They, they can, even the, the production subtitle, the same characters pronounce differently. Yeah. And then also the sort of the dialectical uh, little isms, like where they might use a word like this over there, but they use a different word for that over here sort of thing. Yeah, my husband just gave up um, studying the characters. He hasn't given up uh, studying the spoken Chinese. So I've been teaching him. What Dongbei, do you... Dongbei dialects words. Are you are you Dongbei Ren? Yeah. Okay, which part? A uh, city called Daqing, which Daqing, is like yeah. famous. Really? Coal dust, isn't it? It's a mining town, isn't it? Uh, oil. Oil. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But most of foreigners don't know it, so I just mentioned Harbin. It's two hours driving away from Harbin. North of Harbin, I think? Where is it in relation to Harbin? I know where Harbin, I've been there a couple uh, times. Yeah. I've never been to Daqing. It's boring. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I left, man. Uh, I think I haven't went back for three years already. There's nothing to do there. Yeah. Only three years? Well, that's because coronavirus kept you in Beijing. Yeah, yeah, that as well, yeah. <laughs> that's but, been um, a big part of it. Yeah, but... Um, my family, like my parents, they they would come to Beijing to visit me. Right. Now, yeah, because I don't I don't feel like there's anything. I what, what should I do back there? So how long have you been in Beijing for? From since the live stream thing. So, so 2014. Yeah. That's when I got here too. That seems to be when a lot of people came to Beijing that I sort of meet. 2014 was, is that year that intake year that Beijing just attracted a lot of people. China attracted. You don't hear too many people after that sort of thing. At least, maybe as I get older and uh, the more I stay, uh, I stay as an expat in Beijing, I don't go out. I was mm-hmm. telling you before, like one of the reasons why this beard is so long <laughs> is because I don't go out. Like you're the, one of the first people who's not work-related mm-hmm. that I have seen in a very long time. So I barely leave the compound. It's, I, I run around and that's it. Uh, but so then, uh, is there Daqing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I know it because it's the the commodity industry. What uh, if it wasn't Beijing, where else could you have gone? Could you have made a, a good living in Harbin, south. Dongbei? No, I want to move to South. Yeah. Where? Uh, Shenzhen, Guangzhou. Okay, that's mm. all a tech hub. Yeah, I, I, I would like to move there, but uh, we'll, we'll think about it later. Right, but is is China home for, for both of you? 
Yes. Because you, you were in South Africa for a month. But actually, when I saw you, you post pictures that you were in South Africa, I'm like, oh, shoot. Did she leave? <laughs> I guess it's going to be a Zoom interview then. No, <laughs> so we, we just uh, um, spent a, a bit long time there. It was over, over a month. Uh, I was supposed to stay longer there to spend more time with the family. But uh, I realized that my visa is going to expire. <laughs> Just one day, I was like, oh, wait, should I take a look at my visa? I was like, fuck, no way. It expires in two days. So <laughs> I quickly changed my flight. So I stayed in Hong Kong for a bit and then came back to Beijing. Yeah. How did you not know that your visa was going to expire? I, I, I stupid, man. I was stupid. <laughs> I was, there was no other words. <laughs> yeah, because at that time, when I was buying the flight ticket, it was all okay. Um, and then I, because uh, it was, uh, I bought the ticket, like, uh, with the same date of my visa and then when we were there already the door opened saying hey no more quarantine when you come back oh, you so go. we changed the flight to much later on so that's yeah long story short yeah I managed to come back on time yeah how was South Africa have you, have you ever been that far before away from uh, Beijing away from Daqing home of that Daqing I think so. I started in Belarus. You know that. Yes. Yeah, small small uh, city in Minsk. Oh, so that's why you majored in Russian. Yeah. No, I majored in Russian, and then uh, I started good enough, so I got to study there for one year for free. For a scholarship. Yeah, okay. exchange student, because my my family didn't have the money for me to support me to go abroad for full four years university yeah. so I had to study hard by myself um, but the the government was paying for everything the they gave us I think at the time they gave us seven hundred dollars for a month mm -hmm. just to use for daily life expenses uh, but the average income was only like three to four hundred dollars in, in Minsk. Yeah. In Minsk, okay. Yeah, so we were treated pretty nicely. I was very grateful as well. So, so that was like your your monthly your food money, seven hundred dollars. You said. Yes. And then they paid for the tuition. They they then we didn't pay need to pay for anything. So you just sat there and studied and. Mm. Did you actually study or did you? Get, I studied. Hard. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's not like most foreigners. I there was an article here that that was just published how. Uh, one of the, um, I guess the Congress is going on right now, mm -hmm. and one of the uh, the big wigs of the uh, the politicians was like, these foreigners who come to China should actually study when they're here. They shouldn't just party all the time. Really? And it was like it's such a difference because a lot of foreigners, a lot of college going, a lot of university kids will just go party for two three oh, years, yeah. and then wonder why they don't get a job after in their their respective major. Uh. But you actually went to Belarus and studied. Yeah, but it was easy because um, they had like, you know, the full score is five. Yeah. And, and like in China, it's a hundred. So it's like you make, you make, if you make a mistake on an exam, then that's one point taken away. Yeah. So, but they have like every subject was only like five. So uh, I would say the, the tests, they were way easier than the ones in China. So really? I, yeah, I got almost... For all subjects, uh, it's uh, at least a 4.5 and 5. What, what do you mean it was... How was it easier? The teachers, they were just more chill. Like, they, they, they give marks based on your daily performance. How active are you in classes? Oh, participation marks. Yes, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, 
like I, I skipped the classes because I wanted to travel in Europe by myself. So I was. <laughs> Doesn't sound like you're studying. I was, I was, but that's a life ex experience, you know. <laughs> So I saved the, some of the scholarships, so I went to travel. I, I didn't attend class for a couple of days. When I came back, I, I got the teacher chocolate and she was happy again. <laughs> and I was still doing great uh, at um, answering all the questions, yeah. And what, uh, so what, what language are you speaking in Belarus? Russian. Russian, it was all, are you fluent in Russian? Would you, would Not you anymore, no. I was, oh, yeah. Okay. Did you take the TRKL or whatever, the, the, the standard test? Or no? Uh, yeah, we had the one. It's for the if if you're a student, you major in Russian, then we have this specific exam. Right. Called um, major like it's called level eight. Okay. Yeah. No idea what that is. Yeah, well, I, I was I was a good student, but but now, <laughs> no. You haven't kept up your Russian at all. No, I think yeah, I. If I, I just have a daily conversation in Russian with uh, Russian speakers, they would be surprised because my pronunciation is pretty good. Mm -hmm. But I forgot most of the words, uh, the grammar. But you'd be able to recall that pretty quickly if you uh, took a, a refresher. I mean, it wouldn't be that, that difficult. Yeah, I just don't see the point of doing that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel my time is very, it's quite precious. <laughs> It, uh, and isn't that the struggle once once you become a working person? I mean, actually, I remember one thing uh, when I when I asked you if you wanted to uh, be on this uh, this podcast mm. uh, that you were concerned about your English level. Oh yeah, and I was I going. Was. Why? I mean, you're fluent, and now you're telling me that you're trilingual, <laughs> Russian, Chinese, and English. I mean, mm. what, do you feel that your English is not good, or what was the fear? I I would say now it's a. Uh, is enough for me for work yeah <laughs> I, I don't see any problems uh, using it at work um, but uh, that was before I went to South Africa as well you know after right. a, yeah after a month of being buried in only English I suddenly became more confident <laughs> yeah well, so this is only five months ago that we uh, yeah, that yeah wrote these notes mm. So, so now I'm okay. I'm more confident. You know? Well, that's good. Yeah. So compared to your husband's Chinese, who, mm. whose language is better? Your English is better than his Chinese? Are you kidding? I, I don't know. <laughs> no, my my. We only speak English to each other. Ah, yeah. Okay. So, so from time to time, I teach him some words in Chinese, but he his Chinese is like, uh, and I'm quoting a five years old Chinese. Yeah. Okay. Like kindergarten <laughs> level Chinese. That, that's uh, so he still does he still use pinyin to read and and he doesn't read. He doesn't read. He mm. just speaks. Mm. <laughs> well, the, I, one of the reasons I focused on HSK five was because I didn't want to be one of those foreigners who lives here for 10, 20 years or whatever it is and then can't speak or can't read. Mm -hmm. But reading, I don't have to talk to people, mm. and uh, I guess it helped during coronavirus because I couldn't talk to anyone, anyone anyway. But reading the, the notices. I mean, those have gotten easier over over the time. Mm. But that's, yeah. I mean, your husband's given up studying the characters. I study the characters every day. It's just, respect, man. Respect. It's the grind. I, I, think, <laughs> I think it's really Chinese is really a, a very difficult language. It is a very difficult language. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you you talked about well, is it worth the time spending learning like uh, relearning Russian? Because you know English already, and that's professional. So mm -hmm. your return on investment is pretty high with your with your English abilities. 
for me with Chinese, and I think for a lot of people, uh, again, with the Congress going on, one of these other guys was saying, if people live and work in China, mm. they should pass a test that, that gauges their Chinese abilities. Mm. Much like how, it, when you went to Belarus, did you have to prov uh, provide uh, proof of proficiency, like in English or yes. Russian? Uh, Russian. Russian. Yes. Okay, so and if you want to go to the UK, it would have, you'd have to take IELTS or TOEFL, right? Yeah. Um, and that's what they want to do here in China. And I, I can't disagree because it's like, you have people come over here for 10 years and they don't speak anything. Mm. And it's, it is very bizarre. Uh, it's mm. almost an unfair balance, mm. but uh, I don't know. But I mean, if you want to settle down to live, like settle down in, in China for a long-term life, then picking up the language is a good choice. Which dialect would you recommend? Would you recommend Beijing, Putonghua, or would it be something? Mandarin. Mandarin? Yeah. Because Mandarin is well accepted everywhere. Yeah. But if you find it like fun to uh, pick up, like, if you, since you're in Beijing already, then if you want to try Beijing dialect, then it's a cool thing to try. <laughs> but uh, have fun. <laughs> but uh, I mean, we have so many different dialects, so it's it's almost impossible if you want to learn quite a few at the same time. Oh, just one. One would be enough. I, I okay. was thinking uh, the, another, the southern uh, dialect, like either around Xiamen or Fujian, um, or God. somewhere around there, picking up that dialect, because that dialect is the same as a lot of expat Chinese communities overseas. Um. So all your Chinatowns have mm. a lot of expats from that the southern portion oh, of China yes. but and they also use traditional characters they don't use the simplified characters oh, which I like can, in Hong Kong yeah can you read traditional characters very well uh, not very well I can read but uh, some characters would not make sense to me right um, I can't write them for sure yeah but I don't use them again like I, I don't see the like I wouldn't spend time on it because I don't see it's like an investment if I want to put where do I want to put my efforts and timing yeah uh, and again with, I mean, if I wasn't I was thinking about this the other day because HSK 5 I took this test last year mm. and I failed it I got 43% mm. brutal and with, how much do you need to pass 60? 60% yeah. okay. but I remember opening that test and going nope <laughs> <laughs> nope 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 none of this is anything that anything that I remember at all uh, but thinking of like what else would I do if I didn't study Chinese I don't know I mean maybe production would be better in my podcast I'm not sure but uh, Chinese studying Chinese does take a long time to, uh, mm. to even get to a basic level of proficiency where you can actually have an interaction with someone mm. like at the, the, the storekeeper it's as basic as it sounds even having that conversation is probably a year of study mm. yeah I don't know what was it for, for you like because uh, with the uh, the fear of speaking English, what was it like for you to learn English? I, I, I a lot of people talk about learning Mandarin Chinese, um, but like a lot of Chinese people, Chinese women especially, grow up learning Chinese and they, they speak it fluently. Fluently. I mean, what was it like? Do you remember to learn English? Oh. No, you've blocked it out. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was in school, man. Right. Yeah. I, I think my biggest struggle was to speak because we learned in school, we, we knew how, like Chinese students were so good at reading and writing probably, listening okay, but speaking was always the biggest struggle. 
but I, I, when I was in high school, I knew that was my disadvantage. Even we didn't need that in our examinations. So I went to, there was a small bar next to my high school and I went there. I, that was the only place I knew nearby where some foreigners would go to. So I, I knew the, the boss lady there. So I just, uh, I didn't have much money as a student, I was poor. <laughs> so I was hopping around in her restaurant so that I could practice speaking more. Right. So you were in high school working in a bar. Not working, just helping around. Helping, yeah. okay. we can call it that instead. But then you have these, uh, so is the English teachers, the local English teachers, I guess, would go to this bar? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I just use them as my language partners. <laughs> now I think, I think back, I think, man, why would they want to talk with a high school student? I, I was, I didn't know anything. I, I must be so boring to talk with but I was so so like I kept talking with people try to you know but now I think like I'm like oh yeah <laughs> but, uh, so, but your hometown I mean it wasn't very big was it then? yeah it was very small city so mm. the, the English there must be a lot of Germans there as well because uh Changchun has a lot of uh, German manufacturers was there Germans or Russians and Dutching as well? Just, no, not in my city. Just a few stray English teachers. Mm. What were we talking about before I mentioned the books? I completely forgot. <laughs> you throw me off with this one. I can't remember. Uh, the uh, okay. uh, You're talking about productions and uh, yeah. we're also talking about, well, South Africa came after that. Ah, goodness. <laughs> but since we were talking about South Africa, so um, I was thinking about uh, doing my production in Cape Town as well. Okay. Because I knew in Los Angeles, it's very bad competition there as well. There are many uh, Chinese students who uh, started directing in LA and they just stayed there and they are making productions for the Chinese companies. So I was thinking maybe, because the currency rent is pretty weak in uh, South Africa. So maybe I should try Kipton this year. Um, I'll see, maybe in summer I'll go to contact some local directors, see how it works. But I also worry about the efficiency because they have this uh, load shedding. Have you heard about it? No, what's this? It's uh, when I was there uh, six hours out of the day in the daytime, we didn't have electricity. Okay. <laughs> yes, and, it's, and the internet was pretty slow. Um, the On my phone, the Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi was okay because my mother-in-law was a businesswoman. She had to use very good internet to work with people around the world. Yeah. But my phone was shit, and the the electricity was situation was very shit. So I, I didn't know. I, I don't know if it can work out. So I, I think I'll just give it a shot. This is the one thing that uh, even for me, living in China for so long, mm. good internet. Uh, the lights are on. I mean, I know I, I've heard stories of other parts having shutdowns and stuff like that, but mm -hmm. Beijing, living in the capital, yeah, we're, we're sort of insulated from a lot of anything else yeah. that can happen. Food shortages, not going to happen here. Electricity, probably not. I mean, mm. lights are going to stay on. So Yeah, I think we are pretty spoiled by how convenient the life is here. Like, we got used to it. <laughs> I would say so. I would say so, for yeah. sure. Uh, is Beijing home, or because we would you look to another city... Uh, to, to set up shop to live in or like mm. because your husband also has a job here as well, right? Yeah, I actually would like to move to south um, right. That's what I, we're gonna figure out later on um, 
but uh, when I would say for the next maybe 20 years, when we're still young, we would make our own 20 years. Yeah. Wow, those are long plans. <laughs> yeah, just make money in China. And then uh, when we retire, just find a small island, tropical island, where we can surf and chill. What would you do on a tropical island? I love ocean. You're not talking about like starting like living off the land, are you? It's terrible. You have to know well, a lot how to live off the land. No, like for no, just like in Vietnam or in the uh, Philippines. I okay. don't know, just somewhere nice and warm. I'm so traumatized by the cold weather in Harbin. <laughs> is, is, is that so that cold? Cold man. Minus, Minus thirteen winter. Yeah. yeah, and we have very very short summer days. Yeah, yeah, but then it gets super hot in the in the summer as well. Not as hot as Beijing. No, no. Well, mm. Does anywhere get as hot as Beijing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> southern, Beijing the southern is... parts of China, all of it. Yeah. yeah. But Beijing is dry heat. Yeah. That doesn't mean anything. Dry heat or not anything heat, it's still hot. I, I mean, I'm okay with the heat. So, because I I grew up in the winter, oh, just so cold, man. I hate it. I, I I'm from the Canadian prairies, and oh. uh, Harbin and my hometown are very similar in terms yeah, of. Yeah, and you you like it? You're okay with it? Cold? No, that's why I live here. Oh. It's not the only reason I live here, but it's one of the reasons why. I mean, people are like, oh, what's wrong? With, you know, what's wrong with Winnipeg? I'm like. One, it's cold. <laughs> it's, it's cold six months of the year, and it's not, we're not talking like cold. Wow, it's cold. It's like cold. Don't go outside. Yes. Cold. Why did the grandparents get off the train here? Cold, as in like there is six feet of snow outside your window, sort of thing. That mm. that that's cold. Mm. So I mean, Beijing winters are nothing compared to that. They're they're yeah. very windy. Yeah. Uh, the Beijing winters are very windy, but hometown, it's just especially January, February. Those are the times where you're just like, oh my goodness, is it ever? It's just cold, cold, mm. cold, 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 cold. So, yeah. I can't see myself returning to to my hometown. Me either, anytime. man. We're just on the yet. same page. <laughs> do Do you see a lot of um like your your friends or colleagues uh, moving from their hometowns to to be in bigger cities like Beijing, yes. or Shanghai? Yeah. Is, is it especially like my hometown? It's such a small city. There only six million people. I don't even know. Yeah, it's not bigger than Harbin. Harbin is thirteen million, isn't it? Mm, it's eight. smaller than Harbin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there isn't enough like good opportunities for you to do there, and the uh, the market is very different. Like I feel in Beijing, it's more fair. Like if you have if you have the ability and if if you have have things that you want to do, you just keep trying and. At least you are competing with the others, like in a more fair way. Like there, I feel it's more about connections, mm -hmm. um, relationships with people, how you deal with the different governments. I don't know if this is okay for me to say this. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds pretty dark, like a mafia word there, but I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I want to in a fair like competition situation with the other people. Like I, I can't accept the fact if I feel because I'm not good enough or just I didn't deal with this situation well enough, but I can't accept it because somebody knows his his uncle is in the, you know, department or whatever. Right. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, that's uh, well, that that was a huge issue, uh, especially before two thousand fourteen. I think that mm. was a, a big issue. That, mm. That's one of the things that uh, the current administration was like, we're gonna stop that. Mm. I mean. 
you could argue, people yeah. could argue as much as they want about whether or not it's actually been dealt with, but that, that's what the, the guanxi mm. is what's been uh, uh, been dealt with over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, Daqing, I've never been. I'd, uh, I'd like to, I don't know, I'd love to travel up further to Dongbei and see other parts of it, but I mean, it doesn't sound like there's much to do. Why didn't nope. you get into the oil business then? Uh, I mean... Boring, man. It's so lots boring. Lots of money, though. <laughs> no, no. No. Like, my cousin, I think uh, two of my cousins, they stayed in my hometown in the oil business. Uh, that's just like a life that you can see the end already. Like, <laughs> you know how you're going to live your life for the next 30, 40 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's boring for me. You'd rather not know what's going to happen over the next mm, 30 years. Yeah, and to take... I'm more like a ball throw, thrower. Like, I like to like throw the balls to different directions and to see where do I want to go next. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to limit myself in a certain, like, in a certain way. I, I want to try things. I want to challenge myself, um, develop new skills, do different things, and then figure out maybe... I'll keep trying for the next 10 years, 20 years, it doesn't matter. But I don't want to live a life where I can see, okay, that's how I'm going to get married, what type of kid I'm going to have, and how I'm going to die. <laughs> that's boring. Uh, I, I can't disagree. I mean, it's uh, I, I see people who do it uh, as well, they get into that job. Mm. Even teachers, like back in Canada, that, that was sort of your, your standard job if you were mm. going to be a teacher. Government worker as well. Mm. Um, you, you, that's your job. You're not going to get laid off. There's always going to be a demand for your services. You're going to get pensions, uh, retirement accounts, and everything. So, yeah. but you're you're not doing anything really exciting. Yeah, I, I'm not judging them saying that's bad. Uh, I mean, it's more a personal choice. What fits you better? Like this, my current lifestyle makes me happier. I love freedom, so that's what I chose. But. You know, when I graduated from the university, my my university and another university in Moscow, they offered me free to go to the uh, master degree for free. And my parents were so excited, like, oh, let's do it, let's do it. I was like, mom, no, I want to work now already. I don't want, I don't see myself in the academic way in my life so I, I do not want to spend another two or three years to keep on studying I want to go to the society and try see things and my mom said oh it's such a good opportunity and then also my um, the oil company in my hometown they also came to my family saying they could give us it's it may, might sound a bit weird for you because in my hometown it's like still at that time it was still like the traditional way uh, if you you got a in your family, if you have a student um, graduating, they would give you an offer in the oil company directly. Yes. Yeah. So they came to my parents and saying, if your kid is going to uh, reject this opportunity, you need to sign their name and stuff. And my mom was so unsure, so she kept calling me oh, wow. a few times saying, are you sure? You sure you don't <laughs> want to come back? I said, mom, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Does this happen a lot? The uh, Chinese girls get their their moms calling them at all times, and yeah, I think so. Is it pestering or asking or inquiring? I, I don't know. How do, how do you uh, controlling? <laughs> yeah, that's the way. Uh, my mom used to be way more controlling than the way she is now because now 
I actually can stand up for myself and tell her, no, no. <laughs> because no you're making more. money, though. And yeah. It's one thing when you're when you're not making any money, yeah. you're living off their dime. But yeah, financial independence is uh, it comes first. Yeah, after I have that, I can tell her, mom, please, this is not what I want. Please respect my choice, and I would explain to her why and what makes me happier like do you want me to live a life that you want me to live but miserable and in pain every day or you want me to choose my own way maybe it's more risky maybe it's uh, some dangerous out there maybe I will just you know not make it I'll become homeless I don't have money but uh, that's <laughs> that's the lifestyle that makes me happier so she can understand so she's not very like that controlling like the, the rest of the Chinese parents has she given up maybe oh no she's still trying <laughs> like she, she still tells me don't do this don't do that I said moms please stop saying that yeah <laughs> yeah and well, then now, now she knows like she's she's just taking the chance you know she's still trying to tell me what to do and what to not to do what does your dad say <laughs> That's what he says. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. That's uh, lots of fathers are like that. They are like back off. Like they, they don't. Well, they don't want to argue with your mother either, right? Mm. Do you see yourself uh, being like that in the future, if and when you have kids? Maybe. Don't know. You don't have to say. The, do, uh, would it, the next generation are they going to be as controlling as the their parents? No. 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 I would respect my kid more. Sorry, mom, for saying that. For <laughs> saying that you're not respecting me because <laughs> you're such a lovely mom. Um, but no, yeah, I, I would treat my kid as another individual. Yeah. Right. Oh. I do. Uh, it's it's kind of funny uh, that you you mentioned that the these companies would pay for the degree and they would give you this job and everything. Like mm -hmm. if my dad heard that offer, mm -hmm. uh, he would be like, "Take it, just mm -hmm. go take it." I mean, you got really? your money. Uh, yeah, no, it was. Uh, when I started traveling, I think a lot of times, like when I started teaching English, that was, that was actually one of the biggest things that held me back from traveling, is that mm. the whole backpacking through Europe thing, like it's unemployment, it's costing money, there, what's, the, what's the reason for it, what's the purpose? When did you do that, sorry? That was 2009, I, I mean, you were still a student, you took a gap year, or? Uh, I did not, my only gap year was in 2006, I think it was, mm. uh, but then after that I went back to do a master's degree. Mm -hmm. I made the choice to stay in my hometown because mm. that's where my girlfriend was at the time, uh, work and everything. I could, I had a nice little setup. After all that fell apart, mm. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. But the only way I could justify leaving my hometown was mm. to have a job somewhere else. Mm. And that's where I went to actually I had to go. I went to South Korea first. Mm. So that was my first contract outside of Canada uh, was in, in South Korea. And before that, I went traveling through Europe for a little bit, but that was the the whole idea of if you have a job take it you don't don't the parents are very risk adverse mm. I guess because they yes. they've put a lot of work into you yeah which I, uh, the older I get and I see my nieces and nephews I see the sacrifices that my brothers and sister have made raising these kids mm. and talking about like return on investment of learning a language do you spend the time learning a language that little return on investment mm. or do you spend the time with your family, building that up instead, right? Mm -hmm. So I hear that, and uh, especially as a, a teacher, you hear these kids, kids in their 20s, mm -hmm. talking about their parents. I'm like, man, your, your parents, how, like, just, 
mm-hmm. how bitter it was for them to like struggle to have you to be bilingual, mm-hmm. right? And, and for me, I see that. I kind of wow, that's that's impressive. I don't do. Does anyone pay attention to that? Like how much, how much has changed over the last thirty years, twenty years, of from your parents' generation to the current generation? I think so. Yeah. Nowadays, like the the younger generation's parents, they're very different from like our parents. Yeah. They treat their kids like they do treat them differently. How big is the generation gap, though? Because uh, I'm just thinking like. Out here, I see that a lot of the IEs and the grandmothers, mm-hmm. they're out there with babies. Mm-hmm. Like, the, a lot of people having kids these days, they're in their early 30s sort of thing. Yeah, late. Yeah. Is that late? Well... <laughs> That's early for, <laughs> for Westerners. You, for you, not, yeah, but uh, it's getting later and later. I still have um, lots of friends that still in a relationship, not in a relationship. They don't care about marriage at all. Like, uh, getting married, because it used to be... A necessary choice you had to get married at a certain age like you know I before I married to my current husband I had um, another marriage before that oh okay yeah so that was my first marriage I, I I won't say I was forced to make the decision but at that time I just I wasn't self-aware either so I didn't know what I want in life uh, I wasn't clear and my parents and his parents were like, okay, it's time to get married, you should get married. And then we got married and then they kept asking about the kids, when do you want to have a kid? It's, it's too much. It's, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. They, they wanted you to follow a certain type of lifestyle. You, at a certain age, do what you need to do. But now, especially for women, we really started to realize that it's, it's not something we have to do we can actually fucking choose <laughs> <laughs> how old were you when you got married the first time 24 24 yeah because i think the, the parents generation they were normally married by that time mm. and they would have had a kid probably at that yes time. yes did your parents go to university no no okay mm. so they left high school got a job did my mom even go to high school <laughs> <laughs> uh it's very different back then, you know, my, my dad grew up still suffering from famine, so they didn't even have enough food there. So my mom's family, they didn't have enough money to support her to go to school. They left the money to her younger brother to go to school, so she had to drop the school. Oh, wow. And she, yeah, the, she grew up in Shandong, it was a uh, not city, it was, uh, you know, farmers, what do you call that? Like, you, you need to farm there. Yeah. Yeah, so she came all the way to, she went up all the way to Dongbei to look for an uncle, her uncle, and she settled down in the city. That's why I was born in the city. Okay. Small one, but it was a city. Um, So I'm trying to say as the life, like the changes have happened very quickly for the past two, three decades in China. Yeah, what how the way that my parents grew up and the way I grew up and my next generation completely different huge difference mm. yeah it's a uh, again teaching uh, some of these university students you're kind of like it's bizarre that I mean it's awesome to see that people are bilingual and they have 5g phones and able mm. to be live streamers but thinking back in the early 80s even early 90s I mean it must have been a very different world which when I meet expats who've been here and mm. if they don't know Chinese uh, but they showed up at, in 1995. I'm kind of like, 
wow, you've seen stuff. <laughs> this yes. country has changed. They yes. all like to talk about, like, San Latoon, how it was never there before, mm. and how, like, the whole Fourth Ring Road wasn't there before. So, mm. yeah. I don't know. To, uh, simpler times, was it? Yeah, <laughs> it was. Probably, I don't know, I was a kid. All we did was study. Like, um... I think nowadays it's the kids are living a bit different life, but they were also forced. They are also forced to, to do, like take advantage of every single minute of their uh, of class time to study something. The parents would push them to piano, you know, chess, yes, you know, different things. Yeah. What we did was just study, study all the time, all but, day. What were you studying? Because these kids are studying piano. I mean, um, I was uh, painting. Okay. And. Um, I think my my mom didn't know how to communicate with me. She never asked me if I'm interested, if I was interested in it. I fucking hated it, and I wasn't talented in that at all. Um, but I was too scared of telling her, and I wasted lots of time doing that, which came out with nothing because <laughs> <laughs> only when I grew up I realized oh actually I after I tried different sports and like things like dancing I realized music dancing is uh, where my talent is um, but uh, mainly just uh, they were not happy with my marks all the time like I was okay. were you a good student or how I was. was uh, I started hard, <laughs> but I was never. I can. I could never be good enough for them. Mm. Nobody could. No. No student can be good enough for their parents. Chinese parents are harsh, man. They're tough at their their kids. Why? Why do you think they're like that? I don't know. Just product probably, of the times, because probably of... they were traumatized as well with how much they have suffered when they grew up. Yeah, and they didn't want their case to have such a bad life yeah or for the things that they couldn't achieve when they were younger they put that expectation on their children i wonder if uh, some of it has to do with their impression of what like because they forced you to study and when they were growing up they saw that the educated people like people who got yes. education they were able to have so many more opportunities yeah. Yeah. and they look at that and go then you should do it too right mm. but I mean, technology has changed a lot of that as well i mean i don't think yeah. Did they think, did you think when you were in high school that you're going to be a producer in Beijing? Never. <laughs> I thought actually I had a dream, I remember. I wrote down a note to stick it to my table. I wanted to be a journalist in a battlefield. Like, you know, you see, when you watch news, you see there's a war somewhere in, in the in the world and they're like, boom, you can hear the boom, boom outside. I don't know. Hello, general people, audience, oh, we're good doing this. And it's, it's been booming for the past 10 hours. Now, boom, ah! It's, <laughs> you know, I wanted to be one of those people. <laughs> well, um, Belarus is very close to a war zone now. <laughs> um, but uh, I my, my score wasn't good enough to go get into a media university in Beijing. Right. I don't know if war correspondents need good grades. I think they need survivor skills. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, we all need, we all need to pass the college entries examination. Yes. And uh, my province has been for the good universities in Beijing, like the media uh, majors, they only 
will take like one student for that major from my province. Right. So that was very that would be very risky for me if I wanted. But in short, I wasn't good enough. <laughs> I'm a score. That's how simple it is. So I went to Russian because uh, I chose Russian because uh, I had uh, interest in different languages and cultures. Mm -hmm. um, so well, I, well, English and Russian was, makes sense with Harbin being right there. I, yeah, yeah. And English was, at that time, I felt it was easy and uh, too many people knew English. It should be just a very easy tool. <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't go for English. I would choose, I chose like Russian, Arabic, Spanish, Portuguese, all the different types of languages and see which one would take me. And which one? Russian well, my was, first choice, yeah, Russian. Russian. Not Arabic? No, fortunately. <laughs> that's that's, a, that's really another tough language. <laughs> yeah, it is. But people say that Russian is a very difficult language too. It is, it and is. A lot of conjugations that go yeah. on in that. I, I think English is the easiest language, probably. Sadly, yes. <laughs> yes, yes it is. But it's useful, like you are using your uh, first language as a tool, like in your work. Yes, I remember thinking this in South Korea. Uh, that it was a very good choice for my grandfather on my my, my grandparents who were from Ukraine mm. they got on that boat uh, and they moved to Canada yeah and they I, I remember there's some I don't know if, how, how true it is whether or not my grandfather was planning on going back to, to Ukraine but he never did uh, and so as a result I was born in Canada I have a Canadian passport and I mm. speak English mm. which just lucked out to be the language that pays right now. Yes. So, and especially being Canadian, South Africa as well. That it's a, a, a native speaking English uh, country as well. Yes. It's one of the, the glorified seven, as I call them, where it's mm -hmm. like if you're from those seven la seven countries, you can you have an easier time of getting a job than if you were a fluent speaker of English mm -hmm. from like Brazil, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Ukraine, or some other place. Right. Yeah. So, because uh, I know. Few of the people, or even Philippines, uh, um, I know a few colleagues. They're fluent, but to change jobs in China for them is far more troublesome than for me, yes. just because of my passport. Yes. So mm, that's uh, a privilege. <laughs> Sorry for saying that, but <laughs> I, I can't argue with it. I mean, I, I can't, it, and I've taken advantage of it. So yes, I mean, yes, it's it's gotten uh, gotten th gotten me this far. I mean, I'm not yeah. sure if it's going to take me any further, hey, I'm learning Chinese. I'm mm. trying my best, grinding yeah. my way through that Respect. one. <laughs> good it's job, tough. good job. Yeah, well, we'll see how it uh, it unfolds over, uh, you got a phone call. No, Business. Okay. No, it's okay. So then, we're, we, we've talked about quite a bit here. I mean, we've talked about a little bit of your, your growing up, your, your production as well. Um, life, marriage, you're in South Africa as well. Yeah. So maybe it's not home just yet. But you want to move to the south. I mean, what else do people need to know about you? What else would you I like to know? I actually wrote some notes on the way here. Something I thought maybe you would be interested uh, to hear some like interesting stories in my work. Sure. Know. Yeah. Are these horror stories or what kind of uh, stories are they? No, just like maybe like small troubles that I met uh, in my productions. I thought that could be an interesting thing to share. Like, you know, as a producer, um, except uh, putting things together, right, you always need to solve different types of uh, problems. So I'm basically a problem solver. And um, it doesn't matter, like, how well 
I have prepared for my project. I, I just need to set myself the mindset that um, things can go wrong. Yeah, so I need to be ready for that. So here's some like shit happens <laughs> shit happens horror stories of the, of the production the film production commercial production yeah. world in Beijing yeah. alright so wh yeah. what's this horror story um, how many are there a few <laughs> you can choose the first one was um, it was for a mobile game uh, two years ago um, the we, we, we made plan for everything already the actor was a crew of about 30 people and we were filming five stories in that day. It was for a pirate-themed game. And uh, just two days before the shooting day, the wardrobe guy told me, oh, we didn't get the costumes yet. Because for a pirate game, we need to do lots of cosplays for the characters there. Mm -hmm. Pirate costumes, yeah. Yes, that was the main part. And at that time, I couldn't change the shooting date already because um, imagine that would like take another two weeks. We have to we had to delay the whole shooting to like two days, two weeks later. My clients wouldn't accept that, mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, don't panic. <laughs> so I just uh, sent a guy uh, to go to Guangzhou all the way to Guangzhou, just waiting outside their factory, like the moment they. And this open. production was in Beijing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you sent a guy down. Flying down yeah, to Yeah, just to yeah. pick up the costumes and fly back like the morning, the, the day, like in the early morning, right at the shooting day. So Did you make it? Yes, yes. Fortunately, yes. Um, the factory fucked up one costume. They gave up, gave us the wrong costume, but uh, it was still okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So luckily, my clients uh, accepted it. Yeah. So just anything could go wrong, you know, because it, it wasn't his fault either it, it should get uh, the costumes should get here on time but it, the factory fucked it, fucked it up yeah so things like this always happen what would be the funniest story you have of uh, either things going wrong or things going right in your work anything that uh, comes to mind that you just can't help but laugh I made <laughs> I um, I wrote a story um, it was uh, for um, a game that's tar the, the, uh, whose target audience is mainly 40, 50 years old middle class woman, American, okay. like in North American markets. So I was thinking what would they like and then I wrote, I wrote this uh, script using the stereotype from Pornhub, the plumpers. Yeah, so I <laughs> I contact the model that I like, <laughs> a, po a Polish guy, and uh, I just we just film it like it's purely like a Pornhub style. It's it, you know it's it's bad for me to do this. Um, as so, you so you made a pornography. No, but uh, <laughs> uh, but that's uh, the way we we were trying to lead the audience to think. So basically, the, well, like did his clothes stay on? It was a he, right? He yeah, okay. Did but his with with, stay a, on or with off? a housewife in okay. there. Like the beginning scene was he was um, you know the muscles uh, the the swears coming down and the, the music like ah. <laughs> right. and he was fixing things like uh, touching his hair his muscle and the housewife was looking at him like ah and then the you know the story kept going on. Yeah, and then know. what happened?
Oh, then you shot a porn after? Or no, or? no, they just uh, then they started to talk about the game, <laughs> but uh, with uh, logical lines to to uh, lead the audience into the story. Yeah, but all this stereotype is uh, from porn. From porn. Yeah. Like, is uh, since you've brought it up, is porn a viable industry in China? If someone were because it's a illegal, of, man. Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, not if it's cast as Japanese. If it's a Japanese production, then it's perfectly legal. Uh, in in Japan, yeah, but like if you, well, I know the the Japanese. Pool, why are we talking about porn? <laughs> so if the <laughs> you hired a Polish guy to take his shirt off for a, a video game. <laughs> yeah, but they they are uh, those websites. I don't know where did you watch those Japanese porn, but those are illegal websites as well. So they get. Of course, you you can still find them, but they need to change their website names or address addresses from time to time. Thank you for saying I don't know where you watch those. <laughs> Neither do I. I've heard my friend told me. I just, I just found Japanese uh, porn stars they they scream in a weird way, so I don't like to watch them. And Japanese porn has a very different uh, uh, style. A lot of different stuff goes mm. into it. All right, so all right, we've covered the Polish guy taking his shirt off. Uh, What's the worst thing that's happened to you on production? Like something that you're like, ugh, not again, or should this should never happen again? I I would say um, it's not um, like a, a mistake in my work, but it's a pretty common thing in the on site. In uh, it doesn't matter commercial or movies that women are not allowed to sit on the gear boxes. I hate that fact. Women or people in general? Women, specifically women. Why? Like I was in the crew, I was the casting director and uh, I was responsible for over 20 actors that day on site. Uh, we were filming outside, I was very tired. I saw, you know, those gear boxes. <clears throat> they're pretty big. The big, the, like the ones, ones that roll and they have all the gear inside of it. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I, I, I did. I wouldn't sit on it um, because I, I thought that could be precious. You know, I don't, I didn't want to break the things inside. But I saw all the other guys were sitting on it because there were quite lots. Yeah. So I just found saw an empty one that sat on it, and then suddenly this guy out of nowhere started to shout at me, saying, "Ah, oh, you can't sit here." I said, "But those guys, they were also sitting on." The boxes. You say yes, but you're a woman, so you can't sit on the boxes. What? Yes, and that was many years ago. And then I realized it's such a common thing, just on site. In is that the same in Canada or in? I America? have never. I think if you screamed at someone for being a woman for sitting on a gearbox, you're gonna have a lawsuit against you very soon. I think so as well, but it's so common in China. What's the reasoning? They think. Um, I want to say women dirty, but like you have yin and yang, you know, yin and yang, a woman stands for yin. So How does that not... affect the gearbox? <laughs> so it could be bad luck for the crew or bad luck for the team, for the production. Yeah, and okay. I, I, were, <laughs> I don't, don't know. I feel very unfair. And then I realized um, the only way to solve this is to get on a higher position. So now, as a producer, I can sit on their shoulders. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 I'm joking. Um, I, but like, I, we had to, we have to just uh, to to be at a 
better position to have the similar thing like the fair rights with the men. Right. It's pretty fucked up if you think about it, isn't it? Uh, it's the first time I've ever heard of this. Mm, and it's been going on for years and years. Do you think that's going to change? Do you want to change? Does it matter? Like, uh, I don't know about other teams, but in my crew, I wouldn't allow that to happen. So the women still are not allowed to sit on the gearbox? In other crews, probably, because uh, like we can't change the whole world, but at least in our small influential circles, we can do the things uh, that we can do. Like I would try to work with uh, girls more than guys. Mm -hmm. um, if like there's a position, for example, wardrobe uh, or makeup artist, I can choose between a guy or a girl. I would choose to work with a girl just because it's the whole environment is more difficult for them to survive. Mm -hmm. Do you see that a lot that it's a like the women sort of band together? They, they they sort of choose another woman instead of working with a guy. I think I think so. Yeah. Nowadays, it's because um, this girls help girls thing has becoming more and more popular, uh, and we started to realize how actually just to send help to others will be like we will get good results out of the later on as well. Mm -hmm. And um, that's probably it will be sexism for me to say this, but uh, I work um, when I'm working with girls. It's just easier. <laughs> so, I've been saying I've been saying lots of wrong things today. Yeah, it's just that they pay more attention to details. Um, they are more careful with things. That's a good too. I love guys, don't get me wrong. I'm married to one, come on. <laughs> Would you have chosen a woman instead if it was if she was more attentive to details or what? Well I will meant. <laughs> <laughs> but with I your mind. I I, uh, I see what you mean, uh, and uh, I guess as a foreigner having lived in China for so long, uh, I've seen what some Chinese guys are like and I can't help but say that I'd rather work with Chinese women too, mm. and that that will sound bad in its own way. But uh, I don't. Why do you think that is? Why is it that the women are much more attentive to detail compared to their male co counterparts? We just had to try harder to, and become better, and so that we can. You know, we started at different lines. Like mm -hmm. we were here, and we were lower than them, and we had to. Um, like physically like and mentally become like we needed to be better at our job so that we can step at the same position with them so it's like we need to be here but it looks like does it make sense yeah yeah <laughs> uh, this is a podcast that probably doesn't work can you can you describe what i'm doing this is a woman this is man. basically the the women have to move uh, out of the the comparison of the two finger sets right hand and left hand the women have to be a full inch better higher mm. Mm. than what the men have to achieve in the same amount yes and so that that would enable women to be at least on the same footing sort mm. of thing and the movie and the filming industry is very male dominant as well yeah. but why there's a lot of chinese actors uh, actresses Oh, I mean, not actors, but like but just the, the directors, right. cameramen. Yeah, it's it's. Do um, women want to do those jobs though? I think so. Directors make lots of money. How much do they make? Well, it depends on what level of directors you are. Beginning. 
I I worked with the uh, with directors like the the because my productions are small, right? So the directors I work with they probably like twenty thousand for a day. Um, better ones, of course, there's no limits. It's like a hundred thousand, eighty thousand for a day. Yeah. But the intro level director, so these would be the people who went to university for being a director.、Mm. It wouldn't just be like the local Chinese teacher who has a camera. No. Sort of thing. <laughs> right. No. So out of university, they would be making twenty thousand a day. And how many shoots would they be doing per month? Would they be it, busy it, all all month? It depends on his. I don't know, like his contact、uh, connections, maybe his.、Um, Experiences, his previous productions and stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sounds like it's a good gig, though. Do Chinese women get paid the same if they are a director? Actually, sadly enough, I've never worked with any <laughs> female director. director. Yeah. <laughs> Because they don't want that job. No, it's just that I I happened not to find any. Right. Yeah, I I've met some. Yes. Um. But、uh, well, there was a famous girl, but she was a filmmaker. Uh, who's in Los Angeles now? Wasn't she Chinese? Who she won a, an award? Michelle, she's an actress.、Uh, no, there was a director as well. Ah,、uh, I can't remember. I, I, I saw. Anyway,、him. yeah, just, I just didn't meet them in my life. Yeah, if if I, and also like I、uh, for the when I choose which director to work with, I need him or her. But now I can only say him. I need him to have the similar backgrounds and experiences. Because that's what my clients would like to expect to see first, right?、Um, so that they can trust him. But、uh, when I was looking for directors, I didn't see any female directors. No female directors.、Mm -hmm. You need more white women in your productions. Anything else that you need? <laughs> Voiceover actors. Vo yeah. Well, you have a group of almost three hundred people there. Yeah, it's not enough. <laughs> no. Is it is it hard to find talent to to even do voiceovers? Not hard because I mean I I've been doing it for quite a few years so I've got a good base of people,、um, and for lots of jobs actually I know I, like I have a idea in my mind already who would be a perfect match so、yeah. I'll just contact him or her directly,、uh, but for those like open auditions I would post in my group and、yeah. ask around,、um, but I mean because voiceover it's it's not like. Sometimes you don't have to be trained to do that. Like if you are trained, of course you will get more jobs and gigs and stuff. But、uh, also,、um, I like to work with, for example, theater actors, or、um, they've they've done something similar to to this, like to acting, but they are not voiceover actors. Yeah. They are pretty fresh. Like surprisingly, like my voiceover director also likes to work with this type of people. Like they are not because sometimes some、uh, some voiceover talents they have a special way like they are used to the way they work like、yeah. it's like a mode they they switch on so th they don't give you something new out of his or her own way yeah. yeah but don't get me wrong they're amazing like they're so experienced that they they nail things down quickly first take second、mm, take done yeah but also I like to some. Fresh people, you know. It's always exciting,、uh, and I always、uh, encourage some of my friends if they want to give it a shot. Say yes, like give it a shot. If you find it fun, if you will enjoy it when you are doing it, so give it a shot. It's But, a huge business now, though, like voiceover. Because、uh, I remember 
gaming because of the mobile gaming industry, which has taken off in China yeah, in the last yeah, two, yeah. three years. That mm. uh, it's huge demand yeah. for voice actors. For yeah. I, who are the script writers though? Are they all Chinese uh, or are they foreign? Do they get foreigners to write it uh, like outside of China? Uh, they have. It's a well. Uh, first, uh, we don't work together with the writers. We are just uh, the production suppliers for those game productions. But uh, on those project pro projects that we work together with, I also ask the same question. They basically all the big game productions. They have their own localization team. They have oh, okay. their or they call it differently. Mm -hmm. um, my main client company they call it a worldview team. So it's a team of native English writers. Um, they like they 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 study in it, and they are professional writers right. to come up with the storylines and stuff. And uh, they are in different languages, not only in uh, English, but also like we the Chinese companies they they sell export their games to different markets in the world, like Arabic. Like I've done uh, productions for in Japanese, Korean, Arabic, Russian. Have I done Spanish? No. Thai, Vietnamese, Taiwan, uh, not Cantonese. Anyway, just different types of things. Yeah, so... so um, All requiring a voice actor to read a language that you don't know. Or are they just the teams based in those languages? No, I mean, I made uh, commercials in these languages. That was kind of uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, And I, I like to work with uh, voiceover, lots of voiceover actors uh, around the world as well. Right. Um, the for those easier ones, not like a big complicated story that has to be done under the director's uh, instruction. Then we have to do it offline in studio in Beijing. But you know, uh, for the past three years, lots of uh, people left China, so we couldn't, we didn't have enough uh, voiceover actors in Beijing. So I started to. Uh, like combine the two ways of flying Beijing, some characters and maybe some characters remotely. Right. Yeah. Through Fiverr. Yeah, Upwork as well. Yeah. <laughs> Fiverr is my main thing. Yeah. Well, and I guess you're gonna well. find more professional people on Fiverr as well. Easier to to sort of sift through the offerings of who's available. Yes. Here yes. in your WeChat group, no one has a profile. Mm. Not many, anyway. Yeah. What other funny stories do you have for us? This is not funny, is that okay? Oh. <laughs> How bad is it? <laughs> it's, it's not bad, it's uh, just a small problem I met. Um, the, the for one production, they wanted a story that happens in hospital. And I, they give me, you know, limited amount of budgets. But the hospital they expected is way fancier than the budget. So I just uh, managed to, like, I try to convince them. It's a bit, you know, not possible to do that, but they still insisted that's what they want. So I just had to change another story to, uh, like, so I, I, I spent the money on the hospital scene, but which means I had, like, very little money for the other story. So I just had to change the scenario of the other story completely it was supposed to be in the fancy place but because we had no more budget anymore so um we changed it to just outside our studio 
like we took advantage uh, we were using the um the story was basically a rock star coming out on the way and lots of fans were shouting his name and and stuff so we just saying okay now we had no money we're just using this yard of this studio it looked completely shit but so uh, we're putting on <laughs> some you know some props there to make it look a little bit better hire a lamborghini just to <laughs> match the uh, did the you hire a lamborghini yeah how much does that oh that's a funny story by the way <laughs> how much does that cost to, to rent a lamborghini for a, a film shoot uh four thousand for four hours for four hours yeah yeah okay. yeah. yeah but by the way since you mentioned the lamborghini so in that story our sub uh we wrote the the rock star had a driver like the driver opened the door for him and they both sat in and then another he invited another fan in the car and they left together but when the lamborghini how does three people fit in a lamborghini that's the thing you see <laughs> i <laughs> i've never <laughs> i've never sat in a lamborghini before so i didn't know that and the script writer didn't know that either so the clients didn't know that either. <laughs> that's so shit and so what happened you did fit three people into a lamborghini no we didn't so oh. we just let the driver on set when the car came that morning we look at the car and like oh fuck this car it's a two-seater only it's <laughs> two-seats yeah so we just let the driver open the door for him so he sat in and then he invited the fan to come inside but luckily it wasn't uh, it wasn't four people all together right yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so we had to make changes on site as well so what happened to the hospital then? but the hospital shoot went okay I yes mean, yes did it actually okay. look good did you use the shoots or not yeah we did yeah, yeah it all went well I mean, um, this type of things, like unexpected things, always happen. So, just don't panic and be ready. <laughs> How long is your typical shoot day for something like this? Like, if you have a Lamborghini showing up at a hospital. How long? You know, Chinese people, we work hard. So, I, I'm actually. You get quite... an hour and a half for lunch, though. Oh, you mean in the cash frenzy? Well, yeah, for that one. That is a very chill crew. That's not normal. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> they film every day. So right. they have to also take care of their own stuff. They can't overwork them too much. Right. So they, they can have some rest. But on my, uh, for bigger productions, that's not normal. Nobody rests for one half hour. That seemed excessive. It was like, really? Wow, you can have a nap after this too. Yeah. Well, basically, for eating maximum 30 minutes yeah. and then we're gonna keep rolling Get back to work yeah, yeah. so um i wouldn't make plan to no longer than i would say 12 to 14 hours but sometimes <laughs> that's and you see that's a plan that's on the rundown on the call sheet that's yeah. how how long it rests but sometimes things get a bit longer than the plan for example Sometimes the actors just cannot remember the line, so we have to redo it over and over and over again, or they just are not delivering the thing that the director wanted them to. Um, I remember one day we were supposed to finish at 12, but uh, at 2 o'clock we finished, yeah. AM or? AM. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. And did you even use that take? Yes, of course, yeah. we use everything, all the footage are very precious, but um, oh, the crew, you see lots of people in the uh, filming industry, they, they get lots of 
uh, health problems because they overwork too much. Yeah, but wow. luckily, uh, I think all of them smoke too, and they have very unhealthy lifestyles. <laughs> That's true as I, well. I, I don't think it's the working twelve hours, fourteen hours. I think it's what they're doing. Well, well, <laughs> but imagine like for example that they will finish at two, right? But those people on set, those people who carry around to the cameras and. They started way earlier than us. Like we arrived on site maybe eight o'clock in the morning, but they had to put their gears in the trucks and bring things to the set all set up before I got there. They they probably left like five o'clock in the morning already, and then they worked until two o'clock in the morning. That's almost twenty four hours. That's yes. a long time. Yeah. Do they get paid extra for that? Like is yes. there overtime? Yeah. Because I, I know in in Canada, I think it was there was meal penalty. And it was a big rush that at 12, if the call sheet said 12 o'clock mm. and the production went to 12 or one, mm. that one minute was paid at like two, two and a half times the, the hourly rate or something. Oh, yeah. So it was like the producers would lose their shit. And yes. They're like, get it done now yes. before 12 o'clock because the budget will... If I don't get it done, then the other producers are going to start screaming at me, sort of thing. Yeah, so. well, that's that's the way it's supposed to be, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but we don't pay them. No, we do pay them, but uh, it, like in th in theory, they should like as long as uh, it's over twelve hours on set, um, those crew they should be paid uh, twice double their right. day day income. Well, yeah. But um, normally, because we, we know it's probably gonna happen, so we normally just have a deal with them. Like we do it not like double immediately because then we can't we can't deal with that shit. <laughs> so we just pay like by hour, for example. And um, those people normally we've been knowing each other for quite a while, and they they know like uh, what type of stress I'm under as well to try to maintain the budget but also make good stuff out of this budget so they would like to cooperate yeah mm -hmm. so normally we have a deal in advance so yeah. they, they won't just su suddenly just call okay now you need to p pay me double yeah no same with actors if they over time just uh, by our hourly rate yeah so, so it's mostly hourly rate then mm -hmm. it's, yeah it's, yeah do you have a what, what is a typical contract then like when, when people sign, do people sign contracts or is it just handshake agreements? You're, you're not. Sometimes, yeah. But like with my clients, I obviously need to sign contracts. Yeah. I deal with contracts lots. I have a, a lawyer to work on. Oh, you do? Own. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I can't afford a full-time lawyer because I don't have enough contracts. I'm, I'm such a small company, man. Um, but I have a part-time lawyer, just uh, I pay her by hours. Like for the hours, like she's working on my contracts, I'll yeah. pay her that way. Her as well, another woman? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Did you choose the woman or was it, there was no other choice? Like she was just the person. I just happened that way and I was happy, yeah. She's right. doing a brilliant job, I love her. Um, but uh, for the between me and the people who work for me, uh, we don't always have contracts. Yeah. No, so it's just handshake agreement. Show on up, we'll pay you, yeah. and they know you're good for the money. That yeah. You're gonna pay. I have my own system of paying. Let's say, for example, actors. Yeah. Um, I know lots of actors. They get paid like not with a certain time. Like sometimes they, if they meet a pretty bad agent, they can wait for months or a long really? time for that payment, yeah. And I don't want my actors to have the same like um, disappointed feeling from me. 
So I set up my own system, like every Monday I pay for the people that I worked with for during the past week. And it gets so, it off of your books too, you don't have to think about it, right? And it's, yeah, so it's yeah. check mark, done. Yeah, it's just a more uh, financial stress on me only mm -hmm. because for uh, for me to get paid from my clients, <laughs> it's gonna take like if one month that's quick. Like, really? Yes, yes. How long does it normally take for them pay you uh two months i'd say yeah so you have to think two months in advance sort of thing yeah i always need to put my own money in there uh, and yeah, then i would expect oh, it much later on wow mm. risky you're brave for doing that i think that's maybe why i, I sort of stay in my own industry i don't <laughs> like to we get paid 60 days in arrears anyway but uh um yeah i think it was it wasn't just money but food i was told that food is also a very important thing on set if you don't have good food, oh. actors or crew get cranky because they're like, why am I working this hard 12, 14 hours and we're not getting fed or we don't get decent food? Do you do you take care of food at all? or? I do. Yeah. I have to order food for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just normal, like, it's, it's also the, um, like, we can't, it's difficult for me to get, like, the nice, fancy, like, healthy salads type of steak thing you know for the people how outside. expensive is salad salad no, is it's um more often our studios are far away from everywhere yeah. so it's just uh, for me normally around it's only those small chinese restaurants that i can order from yeah so it's nothing too good like for if um, some models they take very good care of what they eat and their body shape so I tell them in advance like if you don't eat like Chinese food uh, some um, a bit more greasy you know more oil, oil they cooked with so I tell them in advance like that's what we're gonna have just normal Chinese food if you want you can bring your own diet of food or whatever yeah mm. it's prob probably a good idea I started doing that with my own work actually was uh, I started bringing vegetables bowl of vegetables, a box of vegetables and it just it I was easier it was easier for me to function after lunch mm. eating uh raw vegetables than it was after eating pick your Chinese lunch. Yeah. Uh, lots of rice, yeah. uh lots of uh carbs oil. makes you sleepy and tired. Yeah, and I just couldn't do it anymore. I'm like, no, I can't uh I don't want to fall asleep now. I mean I Yes, I could, but uh, clients won't like that if I fall asleep on them, yes, basically. Yes. But, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I'm, I'm glad with where I am with the ESL industry. Does your husband want to get into get involved with your work at all? Oh my God, man, I wouldn't. <laughs> Baby, I love you, but you also know this. So I wouldn't want you to be on my side because you're... <laughs> <laughs> your temper just isn't good enough for not good enough, not isn't suitable for this because for acting uh we for one take we no for one scene we need to do it like multiple takes right yeah. uh sometimes from different camera angles close up further but uh he 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 can't yeah it's not <laughs> a part of his personality he he hates repeating the same thing over and over again yeah and that's what acting is mm -hmm. say the line again mm -hmm. Emote more, yes, but say yes. it again. Yeah, and yeah. uh, the director would um, normally go, "Okay, that's good, but one more take, just in case." Like mm -hmm. that's the thing you hear on set all the time. One more take, just in case. And you, you're saying before that you do t ten takes. How many takes? What's your shooting ratio? Uh, how much do you shoot before you sort of to to final product? 
Like, if do you shoot five takes to one take that you'll actually use, or? Ah, uh, it depends on how the actors perform. Actually, yeah. If we get it the, the first time, we just need one more in case. <laughs> yeah, just in case. <laughs> yeah. Even if just to get the audio, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we we don't like to over film as well. It's, it's a waste of time, right? So yeah. as long as we get what we want, then we move on. Yeah. But yeah. just one more in case. <laughs> just in case. The other uh, note that you had me uh, uh, write down was, uh, well, you're yes. a feminist. You you stated that you, you you stated that very clearly. Uh, that uh, you're does this pull um, go into you choosing to work with women more than working with guys? Or it's not just because they're they're guys. It's because you want to give women a chance more to. More chances, yeah. Do you see a lot of women wanting to get involved in production? Yes. Mm. From Beijing or from other small towns or where are they from? Um, like I was asked, um, I met some girls like they ask my advice mm -hmm. for how do they get into the industry. But I mean, every everybody's path is different. Yeah. I, my path is just me. Like I want, I, I became a producer this way, but, uh, there are so many different choices for them as well, um, but also my my knowledge about it is so limited of my own experience. So I would tell them everything I know, but they also need to figure it out by themselves. Yeah, like you know, um, I met a girl Nicole in Beijing. I think what she did was very amazing as well. She was running her own YouTube channel about her life um, as a expat in Beijing. And she was traveling around. I mean, to do um, media by herself is also a brilliant way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She isn't she based in Chongqing? Yeah, she left Beijing. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I think I I think I've seen her videos. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so then, <laughs> with uh, being a um, producer, mm -hmm. would you ever think about doing your own YouTube or Billy Billy channel? That is all about how to survive the film industry in in China. Go back to your live streaming roots. <laughs> Russian, why not? English because it's easy. Trilingual. Uh, am I good enough to do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes. What what are the you qualifications see? to do to do live streaming? I don't know. I don't have uh, the time for that. Yeah, I I'm focusing on what I'm doing right now, um, and um, I'm spent lots of time. Like for example, I'm joining Tatiana's uh, stage play again because I think it's a, such a new experience. Just want to experience more things and to figure out what I want to do. If you know, even it doesn't bring me any outcome, it's okay. The experience itself is treasure mm -hmm. for me. So I have so many things going on in my mind. Like I said about this year, my plans of trying to. Um, open the markets or or talk with the uh, local teams in other countries. I, I'm pretty occupied. Yeah, <laughs> you sound <laughs> like you're busy. <laughs> yes, busy. I'm very busy. Yeah, um, and also since you were talking about um, what I wrote in my notes, um, you are also like now you're also working from home by yourself, right? Instead of facing this way for the podcast, uh, I face it this wall. That's it. <laughs> So I think just uh, my my feeling about being a freelancer 
um, it's like we talk about self-discipline sometimes like we want to encourage ourselves to be more protective and stuff but also like look at it from another way is to to find a way to how to communicate with ourselves better to to satisfy our needs mental needs like sometimes we just need a break like I I when I was very busy like uh, there was a, a period of time like i said i didn't do nothing but work but that was not sustainable so i just came to a re realization uh, i need a sustain su sustainable lifestyle which is not pushing myself too hard that i i couldn't survive i couldn't breathe but also be pro productive and efficient at the same time mm -hmm. like respect my body's cough like when I need I know I need to eat healthy I know I need to for example meditation for five minutes in the morning just to be fresh for the day have a coffee in the morning calmly and then for set up my own plan working hours and for those hours I just work and then switch off have time with my dogs with my partner mm -hmm. so your producer um what would you recommend in terms of uh, productions to see? Mm. Movies, Chinese movies, Chinese TV shows, what, what would you say that people should watch if they want to get an experience of what China has to offer for film? Um, I didn't... Do you have time to watch movies? Yeah, yeah, okay. of course. It's a, <laughs> it, it's a mission for me I have to do. Yeah, and I, t I buy lots of um, movie studies sessions online what are those what uh, like mean? for example like master class type of thing oh okay yeah, yeah. to uh, watch the classes online the famous um, directors talk about movies right um, the for example actors uh, recently I'm watching a session a very famous Chinese actor talking about uh, the highlights of some movies that he wanted to share with the audience and I would take a list and watch those movies and learn like study from that so it's for me it's my homework right <laughs> yeah and I enjoy doing it yeah um I didn't like to watch Chinese movies a couple of years ago because I thought there weren't many good ones especially <laughs> comedies they're, right yeah they're pretty shit but actually uh for the in the recent years there are some pretty good productions and the, the also the productions they realize the only way to get more audience is to make good stuff like before they what did they think before they used <laughs> uh they just spent all their money on the famous celebrities mm -hmm. so the young actors they had no acting skills and they use very strong filters you know they look like fake people yeah. like how watching that shit hurt my eyes <laughs> <laughs> but um, recent yes, there are some good ones. Bong um, like Biao, everyone won knockouts. Okay. Did you didn't hear about that? I've heard of this one. I haven't seen it though. The knockouts. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean because we have this system, um, the the radio and movie bureau. I'm yeah. not sure how to call it. You know what I'm talking uh, about? Yeah, it's the uh, this, no, is it the censorship or is the. Uh, the overseeing arm that uh, the film and radio bureau uh, yeah yeah so they they have to check all every single 
production that's being released in the market. It's that green screen that shows up at the beginning with, yes, that, yes, with yes. the red film strip or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, there are certain rules that we, we can't, like our production teams that can't break, they have to follow their rules. Of course. For example, uh, animals cannot become <laughs> ghosts. I don't know, I'm making sense. You know, you have some like, uh, for example, cat becomes, uh, it develops over the thousands of years, becomes uh, like, has its own awareness. Okay. Yeah. Can't, that, not that cannot, yeah, not a lot happen after a new China ha has established. It sounds weird, right? Well, good thing you've told me. <laughs> I'll just change that in my script. Yeah. Or like, uh, we don't, we can't make good, really good horror movies because that's also not acceptable by the Bureau. Right. Yeah, so it's normally something like uh, scary or weird happens and then in the end, oh, this guy is a psycho or he wakes up in from a dream. It has to be a dream. Yeah, yeah it if has it's a to dream, be a it's dream. okay. Yeah. Um, but like the knockout, the, the ending of the knockout was a bit disappointing. People Why? wouldn't agree. Because always, like we know, we would know the ending before it happens already. Like the good people just have to win, and the mafia just they all have to die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's pretty good. Um, Is there a rule about? I think um, I remember talking to my students some about this. That uh, to be a Chinese uh, actress, to be a woman in a Chinese movie, you basically had to be able to cry and then die. That was all the film, uh, the, the movies, all the soap operas, mm. all the women are crying all the time. And when they're done crying, they go die. <laughs> really? I, that's what I remember. I remember watching uh, early movies when I first came to China. It's like all these women are crying all the time. And then eventually they, they are the ones that have cancer. They're the ones who, uh, mm. they take the bullet for the husband or for the family or something. Yes, going, yes. The guys always live but mm. the women basically die not the children the children stay mm. but the, the, the mothers the one who makes sacrifice all the time maybe that's a, another restriction or another uh, thing that they have to put in yeah but I mean being able to cry is such a basic basic thing for an actor like all actors have to do that at, at cue I would not be able to cry maybe that's why I'm not an actor yeah so. me either so <laughs> that's their profession that's what they do but uh, I, I do agree with um, um, opinion that not enough rich female characters are being made mm -hmm. in our industry. Yeah, maybe you can change that. Uh, <laughs> I will see what I can do. <laughs> are there? A, well, there's a big movie. Um, not not Big Mama. What was it called? Mama, I love you, wasn't it? That was the big yeah. comedy. That was the Chinese movie. Yes, yes. that was huge. Yeah, that, that was a, that was actually a pretty good movie. I remember. Yeah, and the movie. director was a girl. Yeah, but the, and that was the big uh, selling, not just a selling feature. That was one of the big aspects of the production was that it was a lot of it was the women that that had made that movie. Mm. So. Mm. Anything else that you would recommend people to watch? Can you remember you, the names? You <laughs> Uh, some crime series are pretty nice. Yeah. Which ones? I th I don't really, I only know the names in Chinese though. Sure. I like. Uh, the Silent Truth. Mm -hmm. mm. I watched that one recently. I like it. Uh, the director was doing a great job. The story was also 
very good movies. No, that'll be all for me. Yeah. So, soap operas, TV dramas. I I don't watch them very. Nothing. Often, yeah. What about books? Do you have any recommendations? Like Three Body. Yeah. Three Body. Okay. Yeah, since you have that on your table. I have the whole series. I have uh, all four books. I think it is. Did you like it? No. You you I mean the I book or the series. The book. I'm even wandering Earth. What. This was funny because I see what they're trying to do mm -hmm. uh, with the very patriotic Chinese movies now. They're doing exactly what the United States, what what Hollywood does with American America, Independence Day. We're going to stand up. We're going to beat the aliens. China's doing it with their movie industry now, and that's like what the Wandering Earth was all about. Was China You're talking was, about one or two? I don't. Was there a second one? Oh, there was a second one, right? You didn't watch that yet. The f well, the, what was the one that came out? Was it one year or two Recent years ago? No, recently. It. Uh, I think it just. Uh, okay, is that part two then? Because the the Earth. I watched the one where they actually take Earth out of the solar system. They they put those big rocket ships on yeah. around the Earth and they ship That's Earth. One, that was one. Okay, yeah. so I've seen that one. Yeah. Well, I I think you can try one of the two as well. Oh. <laughs> no, it, it's a bit different because I feel in lots of uh, this type of movies, the Hollywood movies, it's more about individual heroism. Mm -hmm. How do you call it? Like one person saves the world. One hero, yeah. Yeah, one hero. But uh, in this one, it's more about small people all together, and they they were making it together. It's pretty different value. I guess, <laughs> but uh, they haven't made. Three body into a movie in China just yet. Another movie, but series and the series was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was watching it with uh, double speed, and okay. then even that it was too slow. It's <laughs> so so much boring shit, like uh, flashbacks all the time, and the, the pace was too slow. So I kept faster forward all the time. Yeah, it wasn't good. That was my impression of the book. I read it in English, and I was just like, where's this book going? Oh, really? Yeah, I, I never did get around to reading the sequel, because it was like, I think that's enough. I'm done with that. <laughs> I mean, the the first one of uh, three about the book, um, it was a bit plain, but uh, the second one was my favorite, The Dark Forest. Okay. Yeah, the whole um, world view of the second book was really, really blew my mind. Right. Mm. No, that's higher level Chinese Did you for Did me. you read the second one? No, not yet. Not yet? I uh, probably won't, to tell you the truth. Okay. I, I just... Okay. It's science fiction. I want... Yeah, I didn't really like the first one. Uh, I know people love this book. People, mm. I mean, I can't go a day without hearing. Mm. Have you heard of Three Body Problem? Like, yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. That's a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. But uh, um, my goal, I guess, with Chinese literature is that I want to start reading like real books uh, mm -hmm. and that's why I have that Yuhua book. I have a few others but I just haven't had time to sit down and mm -hmm. actually do them to, to read because to get to the level where I can actually read it in Chinese mm -hmm. requires me to spend so much time reading the Chinese dictionary mm -hmm. to learn the words mm -hmm. basically so if, and if I can't if I don't know the characters then I can't read the books it's kind of tough. Mm -hmm. um. It reminds me uh, the other uh, sci-fi book, uh, Foundation. Foundation, okay. Yeah. By who? Asimov. Asimov, yeah. yeah. I, I said, yeah. Uh, so um, I was hoping, because I was in, involved in a, a mobile game voiceover 
with that API. So I'm hoping this year can happen. That, that, that there's going to be, gonna be a, a, an app or a game. A game. That'd be like my dream come true. <laughs> Based on the foundation series. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, have have you read those books? Yeah, but I haven't finished yet because it's so long. There's I'm like only six on of them, isn't there? Seven, I think. Yeah. Not sure because I'm only on number four. I've never read them. <laughs> I've heard about them. I don't. I, again, I think some some of these things where they're classic books. Mm. I'm okay reading the Wikipedia page or a summary <laughs> online that, that, or waiting for the movie to come out. Mm. That, that'd be mm. fine as well. Yeah. Um, do you recommend that I read this Yuhua or is there someone else that you would recommend at my current level I'd of love Chinese? I love this one, man. So if you if you can, please try. And that's been admitted to a movie too, I think. Yes. Back yes. in back in twenty years ago, it's an old movie. Yeah, I I read that when I was in high school, I think, or middle school. It's about the uh, stories in China. Like you, if you living in the modern life in China now, you wouldn't imagine how China was like back then. This is the nineteen eighties, I think, or when was this? I I don't really remember. I read it too many years ago. Okay. But the life, man, it was just so hard. Like he it's literally about the time those times how this guy sold his blood to survive for different reasons okay. yeah. oh so he's selling the blood mm. his own blood yeah his own blood oh, okay. yeah and why is he doing this just to make money to survive for they, they were like when you read it you will see the reasons like it's like he had no choice hmm. mm. anything else that would be similar uh difficulty in, if i were to read it in chinese from the same writer, Yu Hua de. Okay. Mm. But what's that one about? Uh, this guy, he was um, from a rich family, and then how his family got from rich to completely no money at all, and his uh, his life about it, he got married, and then they had kids, and every single person in his family just died one by one, and he's... <laughs> what a happy story! <laughs> it's a, it's a very, uh, it's, it's quite scary, actually, yeah. Yeah. What about English or uh, Russian books? Do you read Russian books at all? No. <laughs> Zero. Yeah, I used to when I was in university, but... Uh, um, no, not really. I don't remember them. English books? You read any? Reading anything these days? These days, uh, the power of now. Have okay. you heard about it? Yeah. Mm. What do you think of that one? I would say, uh, in the beginning, it's a bit weird, but because uh, I I was doing mindfulness and meditation for a while, so I accept the idea, and I found it quite useful for me to get myself out of the anxious situation mm -hmm. yeah because i do have lots of stress from work mm. of course yeah uh, 12 to 14 hour work days <laughs> all right so well we've uh wow we've been talking quite a bit awesome for a long um, time now Jesus. is there anything else that people need to know about you and to clarify your name song uh mm -hmm. but it's not your only name song do you have a second third name as well song wang song wang mm. okay wang is my family name have you seen the bar that's named after you or is it yeah yeah <laughs> i've seen that the yeah. same tone or not because they don't yet they don't have the chinese characters there yeah i just i just saw the the name it's song same right. with my name i've never been there but my friend sent me the picture yeah. did you sent me the picture? i sent i think oh, that, it was okay. me because okay that was the, you're like song hey that's like that um you don't need to go there 
it's uh, I don't know if it's the same owner actually it used to be run by two girls two women mm -hmm. which is part of the reason I thought maybe it was you who had <laughs> you had a bar or something in in Shuangjing but mm -hmm. I don't think so that uh, that whole strip miraculously has survived COVID mm -hmm. I don't know how they must have some very rich families behind those those bars but um, their their big specialty is that each bar along that uh, that that lineup sort of has its own unique drink. Mm -hmm. I don't need to spend 100 kwai on a drink. I'll just mm. go get a bottle and be done with it sort of thing. So mm. that's it. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming in. Uh, is there anything else that people need to know about uh, what you do? Mm. We can also put those uh, stories up on the, the show notes as well. Yeah, maybe just to some some things that I like small things that I, I would like to share as a freelancer okay sure very small points I'll be quick um, it's about like I think one of my biggest struggles is uh, I'm afraid of the bad outcomes of things because I don't work in a company um, so I need to always look for opportunities by myself and it can be very scary like my mom said, she was worried about you know how risky it can be. What if just <laughs> the society abandoned me? <laughs> like I I cannot make enough money to survive. Um, but fear has always been one of my biggest struggles, and I had to learn my own way to deal with it. How how, how have you tackled that fear? I think I found one sentence quite powerful for me is like um, to conquer fear is not to let it disappear but to hold it in your hands but still keep going forward with it so like I need I was just like be aware by myself okay I feel the fear now I'm worried for the bad outcomes but it's okay let me just keep doing it do not let it affect the way that how I would behave yeah yeah and uh, I don't visualization as well <laughs> I have my own visualization list um, it's from the the law of attraction I think many people I've heard of, yeah, I, I heard I've, about it I've read it a while ago I what's your list of visualization what's your your what do you think of mainly about what type of person I want to be Okay. Like the specific goals, they are different from time to time. Like every half a year, I would make a new one. But the principles are the same. Like for my partner, what type of person I want to be. For my friends and for my clients, I want to be a reliable uh, colleague for them. For my actors, for example, my directors, I want to be trustworthy, reliable, that they... they can work with like comfortably with so just having this picture in my mind would make me to do the probably not the easier choice when in practice but uh, the, the the right one for me yeah yeah right mm. do you think of what people will think of you five ten years later on we were talking about this podcast and how mm. it could be a good legacy and I'm like <laughs> let's get through this one first before we think of you know ten years from down the line do, do you think of that at all your, your legacy of what you'll leave behind whether it's even for the women that you work with like some young girl out there is like well song gave me a chance and <laughs> now I'm an actress and whatever legacy I won't call it that way 
I mean, uh, I am pretty selfish. I only think about myself. <laughs> well, but you're thinking of your crew there, that you're taking care of them. You're thinking yeah, of your, your husband yeah. as well. Mm. So and you are thinking of other people. In, in yeah, but not selfish in that way, but uh, in a better way, like, um, I do, I do take care of my own needs, but also for other people, what do I, like, it's like I'm a funeral when people think about me, yeah, how they describe me. Right. So yeah. that's, a, that's a, like a legacy. Mm -hmm. And again, another death element for Chinese women. <laughs> you know, uh, when I was, uh, a few years ago, when I was a model agent, some t I made some mistakes back then, like I lied to my clients just because lying was easier. Mm -hmm. I thought it was the easier thing to do, but then shit would hit the fan, you know? <laughs> and so, you have to explain something and it never, it wasn't that easy. Yeah, so now I would choose rather admit my, mis my mistakes instead of lying about it, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, in the end, work is just work. Fact that it's not life. You're still gonna live your life. <laughs> Do you, you consider like a lot of the productions? You're like, it's just work. It's just another day on the job. No, no, no. I mean, that's just the way I comfort myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. there's gonna be good deals and bad deals, and mm. other people are. There's gonna be different personalities that you have to deal mm. with as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm grateful for good things and the bad things. The bad things give me a lesson. So mm -hmm. I. I wouldn't learn that much without those mistakes. So I'm happy with everything. <laughs> right on. That's all I think. We'll leave it there. I appreciate mm. it. Thank you very much for Thank you for the time. having me. I think the only other thing that we didn't talk about was the number. What what episode number have we agreed on for this one? 38, okay. I love 38. Do, do you want to explain a little bit about this number? And then, because yeah. this was news and the only reason I asked you about it was I had no idea until you told me what it meant. Really? No idea. I know huh. 13 is the, the Western style, okay, mm. but number four uh, is bad, mm. six is good, eight is good, which I was thinking 38 must be good. Mm. And then you're like, no, but I'll let you explain that. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, samba is a word used to be used to uh, humiliate a woman, like samba basically means fucking bitch, right? It's, it's so fucked up. I don't know, like people got used to it. It's like, and then it, it becomes something you, you think is okay just because everybody thinks that way. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. bizarre. Mm. And like same with, you know, the woman's day. It's a woman is funu, but because funu stands for some like an image of a woman that's a bit more mature, um, not looking too good, you know, probably a housewife type of thing. And so lots of people cho chose not to use the word like the real word woman, but go to like goddesses day, girls day, but it's wrong, you know, woman shouldn't have the meaning of the, the bad side of it. So we, I just think we should give the good, all the amazing meanings back to the word woman. So take the word back. The, the idea, because it's Women's Day, they're saying that that's not good enough. That's just normal. You want to be more than normal, is what they're saying with Women's no, Day. No, they were giving the word woman bad meanings. Like okay. stands for, for example, a housewife not making money, not uh, proving their 
worth in the society, who looks old, who doesn't look elegant or beautiful enough. How can a housewife not be giving anything to society? Yes, yeah. Housewife it's doesn't... Not being rec their values are not being recognized enough. Where else does society come from if not from a housewife? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> See, I thought son, uh, well, 38, because March 8th is International Women's Day. Yeah, right? yeah, and yeah. that's what I was thinking mm -hmm. when you said that. I was like... Yeah, that's it. we can celebrate this, and then the, like your next sentence was like, "Yeah, it's terrible." I'm like, okay, did not know that at all. So mm, I, but, I learned something. Yeah, but I mean, there are so many other girls like me. That's what we are trying to make a voice together is to give the origin, like the good meanings, uh, back to this word and take this word back in our field. It stands for amazing uh, qualities as a woman. Right. Okay. There we go. We'll have it. Thanks again. Thank I appreciate you for it. having me. So number 38, we'll have all the show notes on the website and how to get in contact with you as well. I appreciate it. Thanks. Right, thank you. Cheers. Thank you. And there we have it. That's episode number 38 with Song Wong. Thank you very much for taking the time and listening today. Show notes are available up on my website, stevensterski.com. Uh, and of course, you can stream this on all the major platforms and even on YouTube. So Spotify, Google, Apple, YouTube, you can find it there. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk again. Have a good one. Bye-bye.